0: Back to the I'm there podcast, guys. I'm your host Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host Kenny. <laughs> for whatever <laughs> reason, Kenny is just laughing at me already. I don't know what I did. What do you mean? You don't know what you did. <laughs> you did a
1: count, you did a three-two-one countdown and then waited three more seconds. What was that? I don't know. You I had three,
0: to... two, one. <laughs> well, look, I had to I had to oh, draw I had to draw in some breath to get ready for this episode. So we're gonna be talking about one of my random favorite animes. I say random because I never expected that someone like me, who takes things very seriously, and kinda likes, you know, Death Note is my favorite anime, Kill Geass was my second for a very long time, Death Parade's like top three, Uh, I like very serious things, Uh, I read the Game of Thrones books, Like I'm just one of those people that likes hardcore, serious things, and One Punch Man- You want a
1: serious story, you don't want, shall we say, and what I'm about to say, I don't think applies to One Punch Man, and I'll explain myself later, but- You don't like mindless action.
0: I don't like mindless action anymore. When I was younger, I could handle mindless action. I could handle uh, a bunch of fights without a story, per se, or a good story. Now that I'm older, I tend to gravitate towards things that are more compelling, more narrative-driven. And you know what? One Punch Man is a breath of fresh air uh, in a world where I have so many things that I watch that are very narrative-driven. It is something very different from that and something that I don't have to take so serious, something that I can kind of just watch and enjoy and laugh and find amusement in this character because I have so many things to say about Saitama. Uh, so, OK, let me start off by the way I even got into One Punch Man. So on Facebook, there was a period where people will post and I'm glad this doesn't happen anymore because it's kind of spoilery. But there was a period on Facebook where people will post like fight scenes from anime. They would post oh, popular. They would post popular. I feel like this probably scenes. still
1: happens. You just probably.
0: I muted a lot of them.
1: Yeah, this probably still happens because I don't I go on Facebook maybe once every other month. Yeah. And every time I go on, I still happen to see like something in that vein.
0: Okay, so it is still happening. I guess that I have curated my timeline to not give me that kind of content, because right now I haven't watched Bleach. The new season since episode three i haven't watched chainsaw man The new season since episode three i haven't watched my hero since episode three so i was watching them all week to week and then i realized i don't want to do this like i just don't enjoy watching anime week to week i'm i guess i'm like kenny in that regard is that i it's just i'm not enjoying myself watching them week to week so i'm waiting until i have a ton to watch at once and i'm just going to binge it and that's just the way i prefer um it's the
1: netflix way man yeah netflix, I can- netflix got it right
0: Yes, I can only do it with for for whatever reason Attack on Titan and Demon Slayer, I don't know why, but I really like watching those week to week. And I'll figure it out with myself eventually, but I for think me, I think it's they, the fear of spoilers with Attack on Titan that keeps me watching it week to week. I think that's what's really that's happening. Fair. Yes, cuz we're at the end.
1: For, for me, uh that makes sense for Attack on Titan. For me and this I get maybe became clear to a lot of people during Game of Thrones. For me, it has to do with, like, how much content do I get to make my week worth it? Like, if I watch Attack on Titan or any other anime week-to-week, I'm getting, say, 22 minutes of content, and, like, I'm never really satisfied. Yes. As, like, it's always, like, as just soon as I'm getting started, it's ending. Yep. Whereas Game of Thrones, I'm getting an hour of content. Sometimes so watching more. that week-to-week is exciting because I, it's, like, something to look forward to, and that, like, hour is so much more satisfying than 22 minutes. And so it's like,
0: I, I was able to watch Game of
1: Thrones week to week. It was just like, because the the anticipation was always worth it. Whereas like, the shit that happens on Tackle on Titan is always hype. But it's like, just as you're like, at your apex, it's like over. And you're like, what the
0: fuck? Yes. When Eren flipped the script on his brother, and like, you know, the chains came off and everything. And it was like, I'm actually not your captive. I was like, wait a second, what the fuck? Like that, that whole, you know, all of that stuff is really interesting, but then as soon as that happens, the episode ends. So I I get what you're saying, and I I do understand. Um, But yes, so I've not been watching week-to-week anime. And back to the original point, though, like One Punch Man is just something I can just watch, and I don't really have to be like, I won't say I'm not paying attention, but I don't have to give it some kind of like, oh, what is the plot under? What is he really saying here? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. maybe maybe there's some backstabbing. It's it's nothing like that. There's none of that. It, everything is very surface. But somehow the formula for this show just works. And what I was saying was the way I got into Attack on Titan was the time with Facebook. Earth, one push, man or yeah uh one punch man the way i got into it is because a lot of people were posting clips and they and apparently they still do they're posting clips and the clip that i saw that was super interesting the same way i got into naruto like rock versus Gara. the clip for this one was uh saitama versus Genesis, and it was season 1 i think it's episode 5 season 1 episode 5 they yeah. they fight and it's it's like a it's supposed to be a sparring session saitama doesn't take it seriously but genus takes it very seriously and he's going all out mind you the animation so this is something that also caught my eye season one's animation was outrageous like seeing that clip it's only i think it's under five minutes it's like four minutes and 30 seconds
1: it's a really short fight
0: yes it's not a very long fight but in that four minutes and 35 seconds when i tell you that whoever is responsible, forgive me for not knowing exactly which studio covered it, season one, but whatever studio is responsible for that fight, they put so much effort into it, to the point where when I watched it yesterday, it ages, like, it it's gonna forever look great, it aged so well, it's been years now, It's like, that came out, like, 2017, something like that, 2016, I don't even know when season one came out, but it aged so well, that when I watched it yesterday, I was like, holy shit, like, this is, yep. this is honestly not even being weird, or like, just to compare things, but this is honestly Demon Slayer level. Like, the animation was that fucking good. Like, there's, there's multiple points in that fight where I'm just like, yo, they made sure that there are, no, there are no still motion shots. There's none of that, like, I throw a punch and then you just see like the fist still motion kind of moving slowly. Everything was fluid. Every backflip, every flying, every time Saitama ducked or his cape like whisked in the air, every time he, you just see him running really fast and you're just trying to track him. He's like, where did he go? He's like, have I been chasing this after image this whole time? It's crazy. So that that one fight got me interested in One Punch Man because again, I would never watch something called One Punch Man. It's the same way I said I felt about Chainsaw Man. Like I would never watch it on my own accord because it just sounds like something that I wouldn't like. And then
1: I want to I want to say real quick on that fight scene though. Go ahead. That fight scene, just because I want to, I want to continue giving it some praise. Every like sequence of that fight builds and it's so cool like they also make awesome use of like slow motion like yes. I, there's a part where he fuck i think it goes like this where like he shoots a beam and it like eradicates a mountain and yeah. like there, it's like <laughs> molten under it right yes and then like he puts his hands down and it almost looks like he gets energy from the molten or something yeah, i don't know he's but, like long
0: energy from he like
1: goes up and his boosters go off on his shoulders and then <laughs> he like zooms at <laughs> Saitama, and, like, does a Bruce Lee kick, and it's, like, extremely fast, and it snaps to, like, slow motion, yeah. and it's like, over, and Saitama, like, Matrix dodges it, <laughs> yeah. and then, like, it speeds up again as he does, like, a fucking 360 spin, and, like, goes to kick him again, <laughs> yeah. there's, like, lightning, and Saitama dodges that, and it's, like, when you're looking at it, you're, like, your eyes are just tr- honed in, you're, like, whoa, whoa, holy shit, yeah. and then even when they do, like, the classic anime thing, when, um, he essentially does, like, the Jojo punch, yeah. where it's, like, a bunch of punches on screen they don't overuse it they use it for one section of the fight and ends up fitting really well and then immediately after that he's like am i am i chasing his after image and he's yeah, running it's
0: and, so clean it's and then when he clean. does he does like the final flash yeah
1: and then saitama's behind him and like touches his shoulder and then like hits his cheek <laughs> and it, first of all it looks so cute like the way he does it is so disrespectful and yes. cute. it's like and then he jumps back and then this is i remember watching this with my little brother and this is our favorite part of the fight almost is when Saitama jumps back and he lands and he's like Yeah. He goes to
0: get his balance. He like he crouches at one point. And then <laughs> that's when Genus reminds him. He said, Listen, Master, uh remember there were two rules to this fight. Like you're supposed to spar with me and go all out and you know not hold he's like dodge any attack that you can, right? Like anything that you can dodge or block, like do it. But also, you know, go all out. You know the best you can without killing each other, essentially. And, and Saitama, <laughs> yeah, Saitama's like, okay, if that's what you want. And this is what I really love about One Punch Man they draw him differently. He has like yep. three different stages of art. So, one stage is the famous, and it's been used for me a lot, the okay face. When that, someone yeah. says, Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the one that we have up on our Patreon video right now. It's like the face All of right. Saitama, when he just had, is, he's drawn really derpy. He has the really derpy eyes. His eyebrows, literally just one line. He has no, no lines in his face. Like there's no actual lines that define his mouth or his nose or anything like that. They're all, it's like doodles. And I love that art style because it kind of conveys, it's interesting. The artist uses these different art styles to convey the emotion that the character's feeling. And then he has his standard mode where you just see him walking around in his yellow suit and he looks very regular. And then he has this one mode and he goes into it very rarely because the kind of premise of the anime is that he he's bored because he never finds a challenge, but he has this one mode that he gets really serious looking, and his art style is so fucking cool to me when he's like that. It's
1: so deep. Let me just sh- shout out: Yusuke Murata is the artist. For okay. The okay. So I'm sure people know this, but to give a quick backstory on One Punch Man, it is written and drawn by a per- by an author slash writer named One. His name is One, and he. Is a, was a complete amateur at the time. His dream was to make manga, but he did not have the talent and skills to do it, and he just did it anyway. And the art is, like, really bad for the original One Punch Man manga, It was or the webcomic. It was, it was released online.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The art was really bad. He wrote all the stories, but, like, if you go and look up the original webcomic for One Punch Man, written by One, the art's really bad. It's not good art. But he did it anyway, because, like, it was his dream, and he put it out. Yeah. There is another artist named Yusuke Murata who's like a very known, excellent, super artist in the manga community. He did the art for iShield 21, for example. And if you've ever seen iShield 21, that art is immaculate. He's that artist. And he loved One Punch Man, the webcomic, so much. And he was in a point in his career where he's depressed and he didn't really have any direction. He loved it so much, this One Punch Man webcomic re-inspired him and reignited like his love for manga. He went and contacted one, and did a deal with him so that he could redraw the manga using his art with one's story. And so Yusuke Murata is the artist for like the, the new One Punch Man manga and what was adapted for the anime. What was really cool is that he has like the standard look that Fraser was talking about, then the super serious look, which mm-hmm. is like a Yusuke Murata staple. And then he uses like the derpy art, kind of inspired by the original One Punch Man yes. webcomic, as a way to describe like the other moments. So it's really really cool the way he captures it and if you look at like the detail on his art, he's just an amazing artist and so if you ever want to see just really impressive art look up yusuke murata his art is like really really cool and if you just look at the the manga panels for his version of one punch man you'll be thoroughly impressed because it sometimes conveys a level of detail that can't be adapted into the anime because the anime has to keep moving um and so when you look at the still images of the manga sometime you're like holy fucking shit that's something anyway, i, I want to
0: that's something I always love about manga in general. I bring this up all the yeah. time because of One Piece. I think I think One Piece from chapter 1, I immediately just I love Oda's artwork and it obviously it gets better over time, right? Like chapter mm-hmm. one, but even chapter 1 to me is fine and then it just gets so fucking good. Like One Piece is just drawn so well and it's so crazy that my younger self used to think that One Piece just had terrible art, but like the yeah, more yeah. and more I've aged and matured and like got into the story and everything. I just grew to love the still images that Oda has drawn because they do capture a different emotion when it doesn't have to keep moving. Like sometimes mm-hmm. just staring at a panel without it having to like in three seconds, that's going to disappear. So you don't get to really absorb all the details. Cause there's a lot of details in some of the shots, like yes. a lot, like I always bring up, you know, the first time they reveal Blackbeard, not the first time, but the time they reveal Blackbeard and his crew. And it's like a, in the manga, it is a two page spread. It's a two page spread in a manga and it's it's a landscape it's not portrait, so it's like turn to the side two page spread, and it is fucking amazing looking like it is just so amazing but it's it takes a while to take that all in, but in the anime because I went back and like watched that scene in anime it's not the same, not to say that it's bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's not the same as you getting to literally feast your eyes on every single detail. Like they do pan over the characters and they do all their bounties and stuff like that, and they say their names, they do the little box and everything, but it's not is not the way the manga is where you get to literally take your time with it. And I think that that is something that One Piece benefits from a lot. And so One Punch 100. Man is another like manga. Because I have rest some of the One Punch Man manga just to kind of see what the art was given. And Kenny's right, it looks phenomenal. I've even had, like, and we won't talk about this really, but I've seen panels from what's happening currently in the manga. And I don't read the manga. And One Punch Man is also something that I personally, I don't really care as much about spoilers. Don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything that I've seen. But, like, I don't really care yeah, about it's spoilers. going to be
1: about season one and two of the anime.
0: Yes, then the episode will be titled such. But, like, I personally, when I saw the art, I was like, oh, shit, this looks really good. Like, it just, it actually wow. looks good. And the reason why I... Don't always expect that is because, contrary to what some of you might know or or think, uh, the art style for Attack on Titan, to me, is not very good. Like I, personally, when I read Attack on Titan, I don't like it because it looks like sketch art. It looks like... It's just like somebody... It looks like sketches. I don't even want to go into more detail than that. It actually just looks like sketches, and it can get very messy. And so, reading yeah. "Reading Attack on Titan" does not give me the same feeling as watching it. It's like the exact opposite. So, I prefer to watch "Attack on Titan," whereas reading it doesn't give me the same thing. But
1: you know, I thought you were going to say something slightly different. I actually don't know it. I, don't, I haven't seen any of the current stuff in One Punch Man's manga. Um, it's something I've always wanted to read, but I just never get around to it. And like, I'm just. I would. I wish the anime would come out more consistently, but it is what it is. Um, Is it a one month?
0: Is it a one month manga?
1: I actually don't even know. I don't. Yeah, I have no idea. But it
0: does seem. It Um, almost seems like it is a one month, or maybe even longer. And the reason why I say that is, every time a chapter comes out, I feel like I end up seeing like a headline for one. point. lately, I've been seeing headlines, but they are hmm. very, very spread out. They're very spread out.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. It's something I always wanted to read. Main mostly of one punch man's awesome and I love Yusuke Murata, but I just with everything it's like you, it's hard to get to everything. But anyway, I thought what you were going to say is that when you look at the art in the manga sometimes, I saw there's a specific clip it's with Speed of Sound Sonic mm-hmm. and when he's like jumping around the forest, somebody took the manga panels of that and like turned them into a gif and the manga panels like are animated. If that oh, makes shit. sense, like like, somebody took literally what this guy drew in the manga panels and was able to, like, animate them by, like, essentially footbooking them. Like, that's how detailed some of the manga is that this yes. guy, like, he drew the animation. Like, you, it's I fucking think, crazy.
0: I think I saw that. I'm pretty sure I saw that GIF, which is yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's nutty. Uh, Speaking of that, so you brought up Speed of Sonic because he's one of the coolest characters in the actual uh, anime, and he's a super Sasuke serious type, right? (laughs) Typically, I like that kind of character, even though this one, I won't say I like like him, I don't root for him or anything like that. His design is pretty cool, but he's also funny. Like, at one point, he's fighting naked. Like, he literally comes out of his (laughs) clothes at one point because he's that fast, but he also almost got captured by the Sea King or whatever, and he just ends up butt-ass naked. And that's just (laughs) something that only can happen in One Punch Man. Like, obviously... If the fighters from Dragon Ball and Naruto and Bleach, if everything was super realistic, when they do all when they do all these crazy blast attacks and these energy blasts, their clothes would actually come off. So it's it's yeah. it's funny to see the One Punch Man's like the uh, artist actually show that because early on, Saitama's completely naked. Like when he kills that mosquito girl, it is yeah, a part really yeah. early on when Genius is about to get killed, he's about to self-destruct. And Saitama like comes out of nowhere with no, he's completely butt ass naked. He comes out of nowhere and just slaps her. He's like, I hate mosquitoes. Yeah. Cause
1: dude, that whole episode, there's a mosquito bothering him. Yes. And it's so funny. Cause you've seen like, at this point you don't super know who he is. Cause that's like episode two.
0: Yeah. It's but really, early.
1: you've seen that he can like fuck shit up. And there's a part where it's like, it's like after he's like, like, he's trying to catch this mosquito and like, he can't. And every time he thinks he's got it, like, the mosquito, like, flies away and, like, is doing some (laughs) other bullshit. And he's, like, pissed. And he's, like, he's, oh, my God, he's so pissed. And it's It's, it's just really funny and comical. So when there's, like, a mosquito monster, he just yes because he's
0: like this one i could hit this one is huge (laughs) and he slaps her one time mind you she was fucking genus up bad my man was literally like the only thing i can do now is self-destruct and hopefully take her with me like that was his contingency plan like i'm going to blow myself the fuck up and saitama just comes out of nowhere one slap and then genus instantly falls in love with him and you know from there on that's his master i want to say i think it's really cool how because since you brought since we're bringing up the mosquito chick and everything The villains in general, like Speed of Sonic, but all the villains in general in One Punch Man are so fucking serious. It's one of the funniest tropes about them, because what you have to understand about One Punch Man is that it's like a parody of typical shonen anime, right? So you you have a main character who's very powerful, and they train... To get even more powerful, but the like the way he trained to get there is a meme in itself. He did like a hundred sit-ups, hundred push-ups, a 10-kilometer run. He uses no air conditioning. Like it's it's this, it's this absolutely bullshit regimen that he did to get god tier strength. Like he is literally has <laughs> on screen has gotten slapped into the moon literally did not react to it, got up, dusted off his cape, and then flew back to Earth. Well, not even... Like, he jumped back to Earth. I oh, yeah, jumped back to Earth. <laughs> he jumps off the moon. And, like, you can see when he jumps off the, off the moon that the fucking indentation he leaves is... Like, he destroys the moon even more by leaving it. And so he's... Absolutely, Superman levels of ridiculousness, but he's not serious at all. Whereas every single villain he comes across is like, This next attack harnesses the power of 5,000 stars. and Like, they're just saying all the crazy shit. They're like, Every punch on a mortal from this planet will be like, We'll disintegrate you if it just touches, if our fish just touches you, it'll kill every single mortal. And they're like, What say you, human? And then he just like takes the punch and nothing happens. Then he punches him back and the fucking creature just disintegrates and they're like what the fuck Like, they're always caught off guard every demon every alien species that he fights against is always caught off guard because they give these crazy speeches even boros Boros is like i'm the most powerful life form that's ever existed i've trained for millions of years on countless stars i've conquered planets and galaxies i've harnessed the sun and all this like crazy shit they just go crazy and then saitama literally goes Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> like, after they give these crazy long speeches, there's one part. It's really early on. He's fighting against that scientist guy. Like, he's in some kind of training room. Looks like the training room yeah. from Street Fighter V. Um, or Street Fighter Four.
1: With the beetle, right? Like, the big yes, beetle?
0: the big beetle thing. And the beetle thing is going crazy. It's going ham. I mean, it's moving all over. Lightning speed and all this crazy shit. And Saitama is sitting there thinking about something that the beetle said before it started attacking. The beetle was like... Oh uh I can go this I can go at this level for a week from now or something like that like I can keep going for a week and something about Next Saturday. So Saitama called on to next Saturday. He was like, wait a second. If a week from now is next Saturday, then that means that today is Saturday. And if today is Saturday, that means that it's discount at the supermarket day. And so he just gets fucking angry because he's like, I'm not about to fight you for until next Saturday. Are you getting so he just he just absolutely hits the thing one time, obviously kills it in one punch. And he's like, All right, well, time to go to the grocery store. And he just leaves. What?
1: What's awesome about that too is because at this point, if you haven't really been spoiled on like the gimmick of the show, and you don't realize that like he really is One Punch Man, yeah. You get to this part, the way they frame it is like initially he looks like he's worried, yeah. Like, like Saitama's worried, uh, and like this this beetle monster is like getting the better of him or something. Yeah,
0: and you like, think it's going to be his a real challenge too? I, I, when I yeah. watched it, I didn't know that it and then, wasn't <laughs> going to be.
1: And then, like, when the reveal is just, like, he's worried about missing a discount on Saturday, like, and then he just kills him. It's like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, you finally hear his inner monologue, and it has nothing to do with the fight. It's more so about the fact that the thing said it wanted to fight him for seven days. And he's like, wait a second, today's Saturday? He's like, hold (laughs) up, if today's Saturday, that means there's discounts at the grocery store. And his character is pretty consistent. He really enjoys coupon shopping. Like, that's one of his favorite activities. He does it in every season, and it's, like, a big part of his life. Um, so he's very frugal. It's very interesting because one of my friends is kind of the same way. But like Saitama just has very quirky human traits that don't seem anything like somebody who is as powerful as him. But then he also yeah. has this part of him that's kind of sad, low key, where he's looking for a challenge. And every time he gets finished one of these fights where somebody gives this crazy speech and it's supposed to be as powerful as a star and the sun and all this other nonsense, after he beats them, he does talk about how boring his life is and how boring the yeah. fight was and that he hasn't been challenged. And so I am hoping that there's more depth to where the story is going for him because that is kind of the same thing that like Saiyans are built upon is the and that's why I like that like Thomas all these tropes. He's all these shown in tropes. Like Saiyans are they want to. They're a war. They're a warring species, right? Like they like to fight. Battle means a lot to them. They get off to it, and so Saitama is like, "Yeah, I want a challenge." And we know, like Vegeta and Goku, a lot of things they do, like Goku let Frieza go to 100 percent because yep. he wanted the challenge. Like Vegeta is the same way. He's like, "I want you to be at your strongest." So that's like a Saiyan pride thing. And Saitama I mean, Goku gave a Senzu Goku being the
1: cell. gave Sensu being the cell. Yes, and. and Piccolo was like, yo, dog, your son's not you. Like he was like, my son wants a challenge. It was like, Goku, relax. Yes. Hold so, on. So it is <laughs> a
0: it is a character trait of Saiyans, but obviously, because Saitama is a combination of like every shonen main character you've ever seen, um, he has like Saiyan DNA too, where he's looking for a challenge. It's not like he's just this strong and he's content with being this strong and he doesn't want anything from it. Like he yeah. actually is seeking a real opponent, which is one of the only kind of serious things about him. But currently with only seasons one and two out, uh, without seeing the manga, actually he hasn't come across anything that is challenging yeah, the, him
1: yet. The only thing, at least in the first two seasons that came close was Boros, which is a fantastic fight scene. Oh or my series God. Of scenes. And Boros does live more than one punch, but only because he has hyper, super duper rejuvenation. Yeah. Um, and then Saitama uh, was like,
0: all right, well, I'll use like my finishing move too. And his finishing yeah. move is just called Serious Series, Serious Punch.
1: Yeah. And it just and absolutely wiped like, him out. After that fight, I think there's like one more, like not fight, but there's like one more monster, I think, after Boros. And like Saitama kills him in one punch. And then he's like, oh, back to one punch. Yeah. like he's like upset. He's like, right. Because oh, like,
0: he was hoping that it would be like typical. And this is another Dragon Ball trope, right? Uh, and we're not just Dragon Ball. This is a just a shonen trope.
1: Yeah, this is a shonen trope. Yeah. But the
0: shonen trope is you fight an enemy. They're really powerful. Usually, you have to train or whatever to get up to their level. In this case, that's never going to happen for him. But typically, after you beat that one, a stronger one comes along. That's the natural progression. Like Frieza, and then you get the Cell, and then you get the Boo. And if you got to Boo first, they would the planet would be wiped out. Like there would be mm-hmm. it wouldn't you wouldn't get there would be no anime. So people are like, well, what would happen if Boo came first? Well, like, well, then there would be no fucking show, right? Like, there's no show. Like, no one could deal with Majin Boo. God forbid Kid Boo. <laughs> like There'd be no show like coming from King Kai's planet playing fucking Majin Boo or any boo for that matter. Like, there's no show. So obviously, in, chrono- in chronological order. You're going to get scaling villains. And Saitama was hoping, and this is, again, one of the things I love about the parody of it all is that he's like, damn, back to one punch. As in, my last villain I was Cell. I would expect that I'd get strong, like somebody would come stronger, not go back to Frieza level after I just yep. beat Cell. Like, I didn't want it to be that way. So it was really cool in that regard. But his. Training regimen is a complete joke. And at one point, I actually wanted to do it. And there was a bunch of videos that came out on YouTube and maybe Instagram yeah, and stuff like that. It. Yeah, people doing the Saitama challenge where they do 30 days. And, and one Asian guy I saw,
1: he said... I saw that same video.
0: Okay, so you saw the same one. And he actually does, his body does get really nice. Like, yeah. when it starts, a thirty. he does a 30-day challenge. He does the Saitama thing. 100 sit-ups, 100 push-ups, 10-kilometer run, uh, no air conditioning. Like, all, all the things that Saitama names in, like, episodes one and two, he does it and you, he records himself over the course of 30 days, and it does have a visible effect on him. Like, it, it has a visible effect. It's nothing, like, outrageous, but you can plainly tell he's more cut. Like, he's way more cut at the end of the video, and it's like, damn, that's actually crazy that, like, that is a thing that you can do to improve your body, but it is an intense workout when you really think about it. Like, a 10-kilometer run, 100 sit-ups, 100 push-ups oh. every single day.
1: First of all, not, like... For, for If somebody doesn't work, and if you don't work out, I promise you, you can't do a hundred push-ups. Like,
0: oh, oh. That, that is yeah. just yeah. No, you're right about that because I. So happening. I just got to the point where I could do a hundred push-ups, but not all at once. Like, I can't get into push-up stance and do a hundred. What I do is I do either five sets of twenty or four sets of twenty-five because I literally max out at twenty-five. So but I used to max out at like 15 and over time your body really does like you gain a higher tolerance, you get stronger. And it's so cool to see how that happens. Cause I remember when I couldn't do more than 15. Like I remember when 15 I'll be wobbling, like holding myself. I will literally be wobbling. Cause I was that weak. And now I'm doing 25 and like, I can push it to like 27, but I don't like fucking up my math. Cause I don't want to be like, well, next yeah, when I got to be 23. So I'm, I'm yeah. once I get to 25. I usually go, all right, 25 is my number that I stop at. Then I'll sit on my couch. I'll like, take a, you know, like a three-minute uh, breather, and then I'll get back into position and do it again. And so 100 push-ups, if they mean straight, like 100 straight, because that's what he does in the anime, he does 100 straight. If they mean 100 straight, like, I, I literally can't do it. Um, yeah,
1: it's, it's insane. 100 and squats even is then, crazy. Even if you're not doing 100 straight, like you said, like, to even do sets to get to 100 in a single day is insanely difficult. Like It is. Like, if you were to just do if you were to even just be like, I'm going to do 10 sets of 10, like you're going to slow, you're, you're going to have a hard time.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's a uh, hundred pushups every single day, a hundred sit-ups every single day, a hundred squats, a 10 kilometer run every single day is actually a real workout. Like that is a real workout. You will get some health benefits from it. Obviously you won't become him, but I love that he repeats it to everyone who asks, how did he get so powerful? Yeah. Like in the in season one, the question comes up so often, because Genus wants to know, some of the villains want to know. And they get angry when he tells them like that's what he did. Because they're like, get the fuck out of here. Like that's not that doesn't equate to how powerful you are. And even uh Speed of Sonic, when he first, you know, was looking for Saitama because he wants his link back, he's like shooting fucking kunai into the city and going crazy. He's in the air, like basically flying around. And Saitama sees him in a distance and he's like, Come out wherever you are, like I, you know, I'm looking for you. And then Saitama appears behind him and just like judo chops him to the ground and it goes about his business and 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 he zero diffs him every time he sees him like he, they never have a legitimate fight and i love that his uh basically a rival character to him right like somebody who looks at him as a rival somebody who's trying to get stronger than him he's so powerful and so far ahead of him that he never even considers him to be real. And it's kind of a parody of the Goku and Vegeta thing, because Vegeta's very serious about it, right? So Speed of Sonic is extremely serious. Vegeta is extremely serious about it. I want to be stronger than you, Kakarot. I want to be stronger than you, Saitama. But the difference here is that, like, Saitama is just so far ahead. Like, Goku's not that far ahead of Vegeta. Like, Goku is stronger than Vegeta, but he's not to the point where he can't be hurt by Vegeta. You know what
1: I mean? Like. The idea of Saitama even thinking of him as a riot, like yeah, he doesn't not look like a He like, doesn't like look at him as not a even appear
0: like like
1: he barely remembers his name. Like yes,
0: well, yes, that's another thing. <laughs> he doesn't know people. <laughs> like when, sometimes he has recurring characters that he literally, Speed of Sonic being one of them. He's like, who the fuck are you? Why are you naked? Like, he's always so confused by, like, certain people. He's like, I don't even know who you are. And this guy, his whole world is focused around Saitama, yep. which is, like, crazy. And Saitama's just like, who the fuck are you, man? I even, he's, I even like we, how... Uh, oh, what? Did you want to say something?
1: No, no, no. It sounded like you were about to say something.
0: Yeah, I was about to say... So I was about to say, I even like how they do a parody on, you know, the whole thing about being heroes in this world and how you get a rank C, B, A, S, yeah. or whatever. And Saitama... The physical test, he just absolutely destroyed, as you could expect. Like, he had the best stats of any person that ever took it. But then on the technical skill, right, he bombed it. So he gets put in class C, I think, in the beginning. Like, he's a C class hero at the start. And at first, he's just like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm a C class hero. It kind of sucks because obviously he's S. Class, he would be S1, right? That would would be his actual rank, S1.
1: He'd be S0. He'd be S, yes.
0: You're right. He (laughs) He would be tier zero, no question. But he ends up in C class. And at first, he's like, all right, well, this fucking sucks that I'm C class, but like, whatever. And then he finds out that you actually have to work to, to hold your license, otherwise they revoke it. So he goes out in the city and he starts looking for penny crimes. He's running around at speed looking for fucking penny crimes on every street and he can't really find anything. This is like a whole meme. But you yeah, know Go
1: you gotta, I think, if I remember correctly, if you don't stop a crime like at least once a week, they take your license yeah. away. If you're like C Class. He's just doing
0: nothing but playing video games. Like he, he's a gamer, which I think is so funny. Season two, he comes across the one guy King, who's a phony. He's like an King Engine.
1: King Engine is a fire name, by the way. Yeah, like I love the lore built around King's fraud ass. It's awesome. You don't
0: find out till season two that King is a complete fraud. Um, is he S class? I forget. I think he's S class, right? He's S class. Yeah. He's like S five. Yeah, like, he's high. He's high. He's, he's insane. He's high S class, and he's a complete fraud. But he, but he also likes gaming. So at one point, him and Saitama hook up to start gaming, and they're, and they're playing on a blatant Nintendo Switch. Like they're blatantly just playing a Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch. And at one point, Saitama, like, really wants King's game, so he steals it, and then he ends up like fucking deleting his save data. Which was crazy. Dog, that episode had me dying because I, when I was younger, I've lost my save data so many different ways. Like Pokemon, sometimes yep. Pokemon Blue and Red, you'll just turn on your game and it'll be corrupted. And like, you just lose your save data. <sighs> and sometimes you have friends when you're much younger and you have friends and like you guys just do some terrible things to each other. Sometimes I have a friend delete my save data on games before. Yep. Like wipe my memory card clean. And that's fucked up too. So when he took that man's Switch and like, accidentally overwrote his data, or like, whatever he did. I just immediately started laughing. It's like, yo, that, why is that real? But also, that's fucked up.
1: Like, <laughs> so fucked up. It's so real. It's so petty. What's so cool about One Punch Man is how absolutely unrealistic and stupid it is, but paired with some level of reality and its base. So, we said earlier that something that's cool and refreshing about One Punch Man is that you don't really got to take the show serious. You can just have fun while watching it. You don't got to like really look for the deep shit underneath.
0: Yeah. Crazy plot points and like reveals. There's, there's not going to be any of that, right? Like it's just not that kind of thing.
1: Not at all. But something that is cool about one punch man that I like that I do think is a little bit under the surface. And maybe some people don't realize is that there is like, not necessarily a story being told, but uh, to kind of just explain my point, like the most unrealistic and stupid thing about the show is Saitama And he's also the thing that's the most grounded and realistic about the show. Like we said, like he's worried about missing out on deals or like Mm -hmm. something so petty and simple is like, he's fucking stronger than anybody that's ever been imagined. And he can't beat this guy in a video game. And like, he gets mad and he takes the video game and he deletes it. It's such a realistic (laughs) thing. And there's a part in season one versus (laughs) the deep sea king where all these heroes are fighting the underwater monsters. And they get to the Deep Sea King, and they can't beat him And like it starts, ra- like they they get an upper hand on him, It starts raining, and the Deep Sea King is just brutalizing all the heroes. Yes, and then he brutalizing. Is. That's
0: the correct word to use, too. <laughs> yes, Moomin Rider and got brutalized.
1: Moomin Rider is and getting destroyed, and the crowd's cheering for him. Everything, blah blah blah. Satama so shows up, kills him in one punch. Right, and then what happens is one guy in the crowd ends up turning the crowd and kind of says that like. All the heroes are weak and they suck and blah blah blah. He's only a C class hero. If he was able to beat, right. if he was able to beat them, then like all these heroes suck. And there's a really cool thing where Saitama then becomes the bad guy for a moment, and he's like, he's like, oh man, like I was only able to do that. Like he kind of like out loud brags that he cheated and like all these other heroes weakened Deep Sea King. Yeah, that and was, it was a thanks awesome to him that he man. was able to kill him. And what's so cool about that is like Saitama then takes. Like, he has the wherewithal to be like, I'm gonna take this hatred and, like, I don't care about these people liking me. Like, none of this shit matters to me. And he, like, nobody fucking helped him beat the Deep Sea King. No. But he takes, he ends up taking all the negativity, negativity, and so that the other heroes don't aren't brought down. Because yeah. he understands how unrealistic he is. And he understands that all these other people are working really hard yes. to be who they are. And so it's just a really cool human moment where you have the super unrealistic show and super silly then it's like holy shit like this guy's a real character he has a real heart and like brain and he i agree with he has feelings it's so cool
0: man i i really like that moment because it was so noble of him to do that because he doesn't have to do anything he could just take yeah. the credit for it and go about his day and get promoted but instead when he says like yeah i was only able to do that because all the other heroes gave their lives and they were they weakened them so that i was able to come in and just steal the glory but really these guys put in all the work that was a really awesome moment. And it just speaks to his character because for what it's worth, Saitama is very likable immediately. Like he's very, you know, he's a parody character and everything, but he is very likable. Like I immediately was drawn to him as a character. Like if there was a fighting game that was played by a lot of people and everything like that, he was in it. Even if he like wasn't that great, I would still like him because I just like this, I like the character of Saitama. Like
1: yeah. and it's rare. And it's cool that it's hard to do that with a character so overpowered. It's yes. hard to endure the audience
0: usually when a character is too overpowered people tend to develop a hate like there's there's gonna be people who obviously love the character right but there's gonna be people like me because i'm typically the guy that just doesn't like super overpower characters for like if you just come out of nowhere and you're outrageous i'm kind of annoyed by it i'm not gonna lie i don't mind it if it's like developed but when it comes a little too quickly it does tend to bother me uh i'm trying to think of an example but like
1: here Jiren I feel is, like Jiren, Jiren is just, like, okay. inexplicably strong. J- I hated Jiren just like-
0: so much because they're like, oh, there exists a universe where there's a, a warrior stronger than a god, and, like, it happens to be Jiren who's in the fucking tournament power at that exact moment, and he's looking at a spirit bomb, and a spirit bomb is going back to Goku, literally by him staring at it. And I'm just like, okay, like, they don't really give a really good backstory on why he's this outrageously powerful. He's just astronomical, and he's a new character, too, which bothers me, right? Because whenever you introduce sokagia is a really good example. Yep. Like, Kagia gets no development at any point. They just say, you know, this is where Chakra came from. She ate this devil fruit, and she's running from these space aliens. Here she is. She's outrageous. And that you just have to deal. You have, to, de- you have yep. to deal with the fact that she just wiped out Madara, and Madara had been literally beating nine, ten, actual 10 tail demons uh, above Bunch of other fucking Hokage level people, including the first, like, Madara did all of this stuff, right? And you just have to accept that this character who you don't know about at all, who has no lore before this, comes out of nowhere, and they're stronger than everybody you've ever seen in the entire show, right? Like, she's stronger than Naruto and Sasuke separately, they can only be her together with the sealing jutsu and all that, so, that is terrible. And Jiren, same thing, character comes out of nowhere, but... It's a like Jiren. I hate him, but he is a little bit better only because he comes from a different universe. And like if you because yeah, yeah. to them Goku comes from nowhere too. Like if you watch it from the perspective, yeah, of Jiren yeah. is the main character. Goku came out of nowhere to them. So I I I kind of get it, but at the same time, it still sucks being someone watching from the perspective of Universe Seven, right? Yep. Like watching from the perspective of Universe Seven, seeing how hard Frieza has to train. Well, not really, but seeing how hard everyone else has to train besides Frieza. <laughs> <laughs> to get really powerful. Frieza did a good four months. He did. He did. Um, but yeah, seeing how how, how much everyone has to train. Years.
1: I don't know when Dragon Ball Super's coming back, but. <laughs> bro,
0: the Black Frieza arc just, yeah, that is, yeah. But yes, Jaren is bullshit, basically. And it's annoying to usually see those kind of characters, but Saitama somehow makes you like him. And they even give you a bullshit reason why he's that strong. Like, his workout is a joke. It is not a good backstory at all. Like, that is not, he used to have hair
1: like yeah yeah he lost he sacrificed all of his hair for that power man. yeah
0: he used to it's funny when you watch the first two episodes or whatever when they show him having hair in the flashbacks and stuff it's crazy because he doesn't look right to me like when i look at saitama with hair he just looks dumb and then when he's bald somehow even though they blatantly draw him dumb he doesn't look as dumb it's, just, yeah, yeah. it's so weird but yes uh the DMC know, King something Arc-
1: else I, I like and i really want this hoodie I, this is so random, but I just thought of it. Just mm-hmm. think about his clothes. I love his hoodie. It's like white and red, and it says opai on it, which means boobs. And the hoodie literally has like boobs drawn on it. Like really <laughs> stupid <laughs> rudimentary. It's like it's just like a line and two dots. But like it says, and it says opai, which means boobs in Japanese. I want that hoodie so bad.
0: Like, <laughs> oh, I actually like this. I just Googled it. <laughs>
1: It's such a fly hoodie. Like, I want that so bad. Yeah,
0: I forgot that he's low-key, like, a little pervy, which yeah. is also standard, right? Like, he has literally all the tropes, but he doesn't... You know what I like about him is that he's lazy. Like, he's, yeah. He's blatantly lazy. That's not something that you usually get from a main character, like a protagonist-type character in a the shonen. They usually aren't very lazy people. They're usually hardworking or dedicated and all that stuff. Whereas he's just kind of like, he's serious if it comes to protecting people. Right. Like he does not yep. take, he does not joke about that. But if it's something that he feels like other people can handle, he doesn't do anything. He
1: just chills. Dude, he's like every, cause. It- it it's just cool how realistic he is because when you see him in his everyday life, he's just living in like in an apartment. Yep. Just like a, a shitty like I want to say one room apartment.
0: It is. It's very small and very small.
1: He like you see him just like hanging out and he's like scratching his ass and like yep. picking his nose and he's just like watching TV and yeah, he's just like playing living. Playing games, yeah. like a normal very life modest. playing video games. He
0: eats noodles. Like he after he beats Genius the first time, he's like, let's go get some udon. Yep. Like he doesn't he's, he doesn't take things too seriously until, you know, a little girl's about to get hit by a car and then he fucking flashed up in front of the car and puts up one arm and the car gets absolutely destroyed and no debris or anything touches this little girl. I'm like, God damn, like his feet, because there's videos that scale Saitama and like explain how strong he would have to be and how fast he have to be moving to go from the moon to the earth. And you could tell that it happened in a short period of time because the time of day didn't change. Like, there's if you guys yeah. are interested in that type of thing, there's YouTube videos for that. He is ridiculous. Saitama is fucking absurd. So, what has happened though is because he's so absurd, people like to try to explain it. Now, one of the things that people try to use to explain Saitama's outrageous power is by saying that he has like tune force, essentially, like the same type of thing that Bugs Bunny has, where it doesn't really matter. What enemy he's up against it doesn't matter how powerful somebody is. he can essentially just will them or will their power out of existence like they there it doesn't matter how strong you are he's always going to be able to beat you because Toon Force is like Bugs Bunny just says, well, I'm just going to peel away your existence. I can peel away the page, and it becomes white nothingness. Like, you're just in nothingness now. Or I can just, like, go underground, and I'm off-screen now, so you can't touch me. Like, bullshit like that, where, like, literally I appear at the top of the screen, hanging upside down, but I'm not actually on anything. I'm literally at the top of the screen. I might crawl out of the screen. Stuff like that. But Saitama actually isn't, like, a Toon Force character. Like, he's not... Nah, he's... He has, like... He has, like,
1: some of the characteristics. He's obviously a parody character. Like, it's absurd that he did 100 push-ups and now he can punch away planets if he wanted yes. to or whatever the fuck he yes. could do. But I would also say there is definitely a distinction between him and, say, Bugs Bunny. So for for example, with the, the fight against Boros, like, he didn't just... He didn't just one-punch Boros. Like, eventually, like, he finished him off with one super-duper punch, but he, he did have to build up and try. He wasn't able to just, yeah. like, flick Boros away. Like, so there's, established in that fight, there's an idea that you could be strong enough, or could have enough regeneration, or could survive long enough to fight Saitama. Yes. It's just, it hasn't happened yet. But, like, Boros shows that, like, it's possible that Saitama, like, that there is a limit that he could reach, or, like, yes. somebody that could fight him. Like, a character like, uh, let's just say Kid Boo, for example. A character that has, like, seemingly endless regeneration, similar to Boros, like, That's a character that could.
0: Right, because destroying, punching Kibu is not going to kill Kibu. Exactly. It's just, it's never going to happen. He's magic. Mm -hmm. He's literally magic. And we haven't really seen, I don't think, Saitama go up against magic yet, at least not in the anime. Not in seasons one and two. I don't think we've seen him go up against like a magic user. If I'm wrong, correct me, guys, and you know, comment or listen to the letter. But
1: yeah, like for all we know, in chapter 500, Saitama does come out of the page. And punches yeah, eyes. like, that's
0: there's, perfect. you know, there's possible to end the manga, and later on, and we would you know, no spoilers, so if if he does end up fighting against a magician or something, and, like, magic doesn't work on him either, that's fine. Like, you can add that to his feats, because he does have some impressive fucking feats. But, like, right now, I would say that, just like Superman, who is limitless, Superman doesn't do well against magicians. Like, that is one of his known weaknesses, of like, people who are reality warping, or who have blatantly magic abilities... Like Superman, mm-hmm. Superman does not necessarily fare well against them because as strong as he is, like, well, this is just magic. It's not the same thing as brute force. Yeah, his body.
1: Like. Yeah.
0: Like magic is just not invulnerable different. to magic. Right. Magic is just different. So, yeah, there's still like the jury's still out on exactly how high he scales. But what we do know right now is that he's ridiculous. Like, I think that the sh- craziest thing we saw so far was him jumping from the moon back to Earth. And
1: yeah, that whole fight is incredible to me. man. It is. I mean, we talked about it before, but once again, it's like. A great. the animators had a fucking time with it. And here's another thing, just real quick. A lot of people say that One Punch Man Season 1 had a high budget. Not true. One Punch Man Season 1 had the same budget almost every single anime gets. Um, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but in general most anime seasons get around the same budget. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that like, anime get better budget than other anime. Like, obviously there's exceptions but One Punch Man had a standard anime budget. Um... But the people that were working on it, from from what I've read and from what I've seen heard, is that they just like went above and beyond. Like they essentially worked they like worked more than what their budget allowed, so to speak. Like they went above and beyond to make that and season to look, in, to look incredible. It,
0: to put it really simply, these people were really passionate.
1: Yes. Yes, like, very that's, passionate.
0: That's what it that's what it honestly comes down to, right? Because for example, like sometimes Kenny and I will record an episode that is over two and a half hours, right? And that is literally because we are passionate about One Piece, because that's one of the episodes that was three hours, right? Like One Piece, yeah. we're just that passionate that when we do One Piece episodes, they tend to be longer than pretty much every other episode we've ever recorded. And that's because of the passion about talking on that subject, is we could just do mm-hmm. it for actual hours and when people are working on something and they really care about it you can see that in the product and yeah that's what i really blame that on not not the money
1: yeah exactly you'd like become consumed by it like you want to keep doing it and it's like it's it is like one of those cheesy things where they say like make your job something that you enjoy and never have to work and like that's obviously a bit of an exaggeration, but it, it depends. Like, if your job is something that you really do enjoy and you become consumed by it, then like you in some ways aren't working because like it's what you want to do, it's what you're thinking about. Yeah. So like when you're not doing it, you're think, and it's just it's really cool. So anyway, um, One Punch Man season one was like really, that fight though. Once again, very rarely repeated scenes, and then there's part where like I love when they become like beams of light, and yeah, they're like yeah. chasing it's each like other, yeah. and they're clashing, and then you see them fighting and like. There's all these epic moments, and then my favorite thing, and I want it to be like in a fighting game so bad because it's like an absurd raging demon. When Boros is like fighting him, there's a part where it's like, it's do, 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 do,
0: do. like
1: beating the shit out of Saitama, <laughs> and then like he like hits him down, then goes down under him, and he comes up, and then he like he like poses and he has his hands out and he like hits Saitama in the stomach with like a knee. And he's, like, posing, and then the light's, like, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. And it's just, like, (laughs) this insane... It looks like a fighting game finisher. And then he kicks... That's when he kicks him to the moon. It is just this insane sequence of shit. And then, like, when he does a collapsing star, roaring cannon...
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's what it's called, too. Collapsing (laughs) star, roaring cannon. Like, what the fuck? that shit is crazy yeah it just oh it's so hype Death boros fight so if you if you get nothing else from one punch man at least watch the fight between him and genus and the fight between uh him and boros and also the deep sea king is really good just watching him beat up all, all the heroes but yeah boros and genus those fights the way they're animated above and beyond it reminds me of naruto and sasuke versus momoshiki Like it is, it is just crazy how great the animation looks and how much effort and time, you know, it takes a long ass time. I think that they said, Naruto and Sasuke versus Momoshiki, I think they said it took a month to actually animate that fight.
1: It's not surprising, man. So when you know, it goes into like animation, like the amount of effort that goes, like, for example, when people like laugh at those, like in between scenes, like there's like the, uh, there's, like, those famous pictures you'll see of, like, pain or Sasuke's face, and it looks all twisted and yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, what you're seeing is an in-between. So, like, you're not supposed to see that. That's one frame. Yeah. You're not really supposed Like, that's an in-between frame Frame for, like, all this other shit. But, like, the point is, like, drawing all those frames and all those. Like, it's crazy. Like, at the end of the day, an anime is a series of. It's a flip book. It's a series of pictures. Yes. That they play frame by frame. And, like. You have to draw all of those fucking frames. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot
0: of work when you really find out. Because I remember when I was younger, I wondered, how do they actually draw things moving? Like, if I throw a punch, how does that, how is that actually animated? And then I found out, oh, you actually draw all frames of the punch being thrown, which is so absurd to me. That is so absurd. I, I can't, like, my mind actually can't handle the idea of that. Yep. Like, how much yep. work that is. Like, that is so much fucking work. So, yeah. Uh, shout out to the animators. I actually... So, I know that, you know, there was a there was a lot of controversy surrounding Season 2 of One Punch Man about the animation and it, it dropping in quality and stuff like that. And while it may not be on par with Season 1, I think that it got blown out of proportion with people saying that it was outright bad. I just do hmm. not agree that season two yeah. of One Punch Man's animation was bad. There are multiple scenes, including his earliest episode two, I believe, when they introduced Garo, and he fights against Tanktop Master or whatever. Um, there's a part where he says, I hate using this style. And he goes into Fang's water style. <laughs> and the animation for when his hands move, and you see the blue lasers and everything like that, and he gets into the stance, and it you know, does a really cool anime pose for a second where it just like stops, and you see the fucking big-ass kanji in the background. And then yeah. he just starts... Fucking up tank top, dude. And I mean, it looks insane. So when I was watching it, because I went in hearing about this terrible animation and I get the episode two and I'm like, okay, here's like the first real fight. And this villain dude is getting he's getting beat up like he's he's getting pretty beat up about a tank top guy because he had beat one in like the first episode i think he fucked up one of the tank top underlings like he fucked I yep. put him in the hospital. A whole tank top squad there's a whole tank top squad he fucked up one of them real bad so the s-class tank top dude is like all right well i'm here now and he is actually giving Garrow that work so much so Garrow has to resort to using a style that he resents and when he does it it looks amazing and so i was very confused and i immediately after that episode i was like so what, what are people talking about where the animation just looks bad? Because it, it just does not look bad. Like, it actually, yeah, it's factually doesn't look bad.
1: It's just, yeah, it is just one of those things where I think season one sets such a precedent where when you look at season two, you're like, oh, it's not as good as season one, so it's bad. It's like one of those, it's just like, um, it, it's like when you live in a first world country, and you skip lunch, and you say, I'm starving. Yes. And it's like, you're not starving. That's an exaggeration. You just didn't eat lunch. It's
0: hyperbole, right?
1: <laughs> and that's what it is. It's like, when you look at season two of One Punch Man, it's like you missed a lunch, but it's not like you're in Africa. Like right.
0: It's- <laughs> you're not literally a starving, and one of those fucking Christian um uh, yeah. commercials where the kids in have arms arms of an the angel. angel and the kids like, have flies all over them and shit. And the, these people act like they can't at least swap the fucking flies off the kids before they re uh record them. Yeah, it's not that bad. So when, when people were going in on it, I just didn't understand it. And because I love and I don't take it I don't take it very seriously. And because I love it so much, I'm able to just watch it and enjoy it and not critique the animation the whole time like I did not watch season two and con- like I was so impressed that season two now has introduced this character Garo and they're setting him up to be an antagonist to Saitama they're setting him up to be one of the people that actually gives him a challenge and I like that because obviously this show could taper off and get extremely boring if it literally goes the exact way season one and most of season two went before Garo was really like, you realize where what they were doing with his character, right? Because at the end of season two, he is essentially abducted by the League of Villains, right? Like the demons, they abduct him, they they fly him away. His hair turns red and everything like that. His eyes go bloodshot. And
1: I do wish his hair didn't turn orange. Me too. I just I, I don't I know. Like it, he looks so sick with the with the white hair. I'm hoping and that his it hair goes back. was orange. Yeah, I just hope something happens because like the orange hair wasn't doing. I'm it not a fan.
0: Me. I'm a I'm big not a fan.
1: But everything, season two, which is so cool about it, is that they do, once again, not this super in-depth story, but they do take cool concepts and I think write pretty good stories. Like, they take Garo, and, like, he's pseudo the main character in season He two.
0: is the main character. Saitama's Even actually not really in the season that much.
1: He's really not. And, like, they take the villain, kind of make him the main character of the season, and then they they show this cool progression of like his perspective of things. He grew up watching all these shows, and from his perspective, the heroes were the bullies. Yep. The heroes were using their power to take advantage, and and they would always gang up on the monsters. There was always one monster fighting seventeen heroes. Yep. He's like, oh, that like shit's not change. fair. You guys are just like gang. Like it's not fair. And so, yeah. and then when he went to school, he got bullied, and they like made him like he played. They played a game where he was the monster, and he would just get jumped yes.
0: by ten kids. Like actually jumped, not even and yeah, he could actually jump and they would blame him for it on top of that.
1: Yeah, and so it created like it ends up creating a villain in Garo right. and he wants to go in this aspect and he wants to become a monster. But he ends up having all these really cool qualities. Like for example, he doesn't harm. one of my favorite characters is um uh Metal Bat. Just because oh, like, love he looks Bat. like a Yakuza. He's got the Pompadour. I oh, love
0: Metal Bat. Is so fucking cool. I love
1: Metal Bat, right? And so there's a part where he's bloody destroyed, and Garo's like going to kill him. And then Metal Bat's sister shows up. And then, like, Garo, like, she like pleads with him to stop. And, like, he's there's, and there's, he stops. And then there's the part where he meets up with this other little kid and he hangs out with him. And you can see that, like, he has an affinity for kids. Like, he's not mean to them. He doesn't beat them up.
0: Like, yeah, he or, doesn't kill them or anything like that. He's not trying
1: to, like, kill kids and shit. Like, he has a code.
0: And, and- if you try to harm a kid, he, he will protect the child. Like, he'll actually go out of his way. Because there's one part where a group of, like, B-class heroes A-class. come.
1: Because they're the A-class heroes are pissed that they get looked down upon by all... Because, like, we're one right below S-class. And all the S-class heroes look down on them. These, a- like, these were A-class? These were A-class heroes. Okay.
0: Well, I know a, a horde of them come. It's like eight of them. Literally eight of them. And they all jump him. And he already has gotten out of a fight. So he's weakened already. And they jump him. And they're getting the best of him for a little while. And then he he gets the upper. That whole sequence, by the way, when they jump him. Oh. And like it's looking real dark for him. But then he slowly analyzes them. And says, like, this one's long range. This one is feeding information. This one's close range. This one does that. And when he does that, he figures out the first one to take out. And then he starts to slowly beat the shit out of every single one of them. But then he gets to the last one who's really, really strong. And the last one has this like bullet barrage ability where he can shoot like a thousand bullets of energy, um, at one time, right? Like a Gatling gun. And behind Garo at the time is this shack that he's been in with this little boy that he met earlier on the park bench who had like a a book of all of the heroes, which he's been using to track them down and kill them. Um, Mm -hmm. So he knows that a little boy is in the shack behind him. And if the gunfire happens to accidentally go into that shack, it could harm and kill the little boy. So he's like, I don't have the energy to really defend this attack. I should just dodge it completely. And he could
1: dodge it. That's the thing. Yes. And if he was a monster, a real monster, so to speak, he would just dodge it and let that little boy
0: die. Yes. And instead, he's like, fuck it. This is going to take everything I have left, basically. But he literally deflects every single bullet and they show it he deflects every single energy bullet and so all the bullets get dispersed away from the shack and then he you know he grabs the guy and fucks that guy up and he goes about it he like collapses or whatever but it's a really amazing scene because it does develop his character make him more than just a mindless villain i hate those villains that just like i want to take over the world that's my aspiration i want to kill things just because that's my aspiration and not to say that garo's backstory is some super insane like oh, this is Shakespearean-level writing, but it is enough to where I get it. Like, if I was jumped and people were saying, I'm a police officer, right? Like, they were pretending to be cops and robbers, and they were the cops jumping me, and I was the robber yeah, every yeah. single time, you could understand why that might make me resent police officers as I get older. Whether it's right or wrong, that could have an impact on a child's view of the world. So were being jumped by people who and... say, I'm a hero, and then him resenting heroes as an adult is not the most and, crazy thing to experience.
1: And it's a cool, yeah, it's a cool twist on in perspective. It, like, like you said, it's not a Shakespearean no. thing, but it's a, it's a good enough twist in perspective where I think it, it services the plot. Uh, additionally, I want to say something like I watched one punch man season one and two with my little brother. And at the time he was even younger, obviously than he is now. I don't remember exactly when it came out, but he's watching it because he's young, right? Cause he's a kid. He has a very kid-like out, outlook on things. So when we're watching One Punch Man, obviously he loves Saitama, he loves Genos, and he likes the heroes, because of course he does. He's a kid, he likes the heroes. Yeah. The heroes are the good guys. And so he watches it, and he cheers for and likes the heroes. And in general, when he watches it, he doesn't like the villains, Regar- regardless of like the villains or the bad guys' motivations or anything. Right. He doesn't like the villains, they're the bad guys. I don't like them. Like When he was younger, I think now that he's gotten a bit older, he's like almost a teenager, He understands that perspective a bit more. Like, he can understand liking a villain character. But when he was younger, he couldn't understand why I liked Cell. Like, why would you like Cell? Cell's evil. Like, Cell's bad. Like, why do you like him? He couldn't understand why me, uh, like, I like Cell. So anyway, my point is, this was the first... He's watching One Punch Man Season 2. And he doesn't like Garo, and he doesn't like villains. He likes heroes. When we get to the end of Season 2, he looks at me and he's like... He says, sorry. He says, Kenny, I'm sorry. (laughs) But I think I really like Garo. He's
0: really (laughs) cool.
1: And he's just like, because like, the way they build, like, regardless of what you say about the writing, what they do with his character in there, and the way they build him up, they make this villain really, really likable and enjoyable and endearing. It's like, really fucking cool.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, I think that somehow the Garo story season 2, and I'm glad that they focused on him enough to get this development, because if he was just a side character, I don't think that you would get the same vibe that you do from him. But like the fact that it does focus on from episode one, basically like he is basically uh infiltrating a place where they're hiring all these villains to be like, Oh, there's not enough heroes anymore. So we need the villains to kind of help out with like some of the crime going on and all the monsters and stuff that are f- attacking the city. And he infiltrates, he beats all of them. And he's like, you know, he's just really strong, but he comes out, and he seems like, oh, this is going to be another mindless villain type of thing. And then they slowly mm-hmm. develop over time. Like, he, he resents using a certain style. Then you find out that he was a Fang student. And that adds layers to him. And, like, what did he do to get expelled? And he, it's yeah, a lot. It, it's a lot to his character.
1: I, they did it enough. For me, something that I just really appreciated was, it's like, they... Like, One Punch Man Season 2 in Garo was, like, the click for a child where for a child to realize like, oh, villains can be cool. You yes. know what I mean? Like click the fact that that was the click, that was the character that did it. Like that gives so much credit to me, to that character, to like yeah. that writing. It's, it's I, wonder, really, really cool.
0: I wonder when I started liking villains, because I remember liking Cell, but I also remember not liking Frieza. So mm. so in Cell comes out years after. Frieza and like the American cartoon. So maybe there was a shift in the way my mind had, you know, your brain pro- progresses to a point where like you start to think differently and you have abstract thoughts and like maybe everything yep. isn't so black and white, right? Like maybe there's more to people and stuff like that. Or maybe I just like the design of something cuz Cell was fucking evil, really. Like going around just uh-huh. killing humans and sucking them up. With no motivation other than the fact that like he has Saiyan blood and all these other you know, things inside of him and he's programmed by Dr. Joe to want to kill the Saiyans. But like, I liked his character design immediately. And when he got the perfect cell, I was super in love with him. The voice, the cockiness, the way he looked at his hands when he first transformed and Krillin and everybody was attacking him. And he's literally just staring at his hands. I just loved him immediately. And after that, I started to like the Joker. Like when I would watch, normally when I was younger and I watched Batman, the animated series, when I would see the villains that Batman would go against, I hated him. I was like, Batman's the good guy. I want Batman to win every episode. I hate when a yep. joker hits him with a pipe. I like, and then slowly but surely you get older and you watch something like The Dark Knight and you see Heath Ledger, and you're like, yo, I fucking love this Joker. Like, I yeah, love man. this character. And you start to root for villains slowly but surely. And like, even with Aaron Yeager, who's one of my favorite protagonists, I don't know, antagonist. I don't know what to call him anymore. It's so <laughs> the line has been so blurred, right? But like Aaron Jaeger, it, it, he's like the epitome of Rooting for somebody who may not have the most uh, noble or moral, like, highest moral compass, Mm -hmm. right? Like, he's on some genocide shit right now, which some people are like, genocide, no matter what, is wrong. And you could argue, like, yes, that is technically the case. But then you could also argue the other side and be like, but do you understand what happened to him, though? Like, it's not that he just woke up one day and was like, genocide. There's something that happened to this man, like his mom had to be eaten in front of him. And and all of these traumatic things happened to his life. And he's been traumatized by the world. And it turned him into this monster. So you got to watch him from season one and all the way to now where we're at in the final season, part three, coming up next month. I can't wait for that. But like you, you get to see him develop Stop into quietly. this into this character. And you start you like some people re- like me, some people really love him. And like I love Yagami Light. He's one of my favorite anime characters. And a lot of people could be like, yo, he's a fucking psychopath. And at, at one point, near when Nier beats him, he literally says, you're nothing but a serial killer. Like, you're just a fucking serial He He reduces Yagami Light to just a serial killer. But I like that the writer of Death Note did that because that's how people actually try to make everything so binary. Yep. They try to make everything so black and white. Like, you didn't think about, like, what actually made Yagami Light... Behaved the way he did, and when he's dying in the anime, and he's running, he runs past a regular version of himself, right? Like the one that's not corrupted by the Death Note. And so it's it's interesting to see characters with layers. Like that's kind of the overarching point of what I'm I'm talking about here is like I just really like that even villains in today's stories have a lot of depth to them, including. Like Garo has death to him. Like there's actual death to the character. It's not just as simple as I want to be the strongest and I hate heroes for no absolute reason. And it's not just that, right? Like he literally has a different perspective on life because he was physically harmed and blamed for shit that heroes did. So yeah, I like it. I really, really like it. Uh, I also wanted to talk about a couple of the, so deep sea King, cause we, we brought him up earlier. But we didn't really go into depth about some of the crazy things that happened during that whole... It's like a little arc, right? It's like an arc in the middle yeah, of season one. And what I really like about the Deep Sea King arc is it shows you how the heroes can arrive. And, like, they can be really strong. And they still get their ass beat. And I think that that is, like, awesome to see. Like, I like seeing... uh they At one point, they show... And this is something I like about every anime that has it. Anytime there's a group of people and they have ranks, I fucking go up for that every time. Like I love the Espada. It, like if pe- for people who don't know, I literally used to obsess over the Espada. Like I knew all, I knew everyone's number. I knew everyone's name. Zio Opero Grants, like number seven, right? Like I knew every Baragon, number two. Like S- Stark, number one. Holly Bell, number three. Ukior Schiffer, number four. Like, I literally, Noitra yeah. number five, Grimjaw number six, I used to side obsess.
1: Note, side note, I thought about that, so, uh, not really spoilers, but for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, because it takes place in, like, a Spain country. Like, it takes place in, like, an analogy of Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's called Paldea. So they use Sp- the Spanish language throughout the game sometimes, and they call, like, the top champion, the leader of the Elite Four, they call her La Primera. And I was like, what is she? A fucking a Like, because <laughs> <laughs> like, they just always refer to her as like La Primera. And I yes, was like, okay.
0: The primavera stark. But yes, I love any anime that has a group of people, they don't necessarily have to have like ranks either. I just like, even though they often do rank them. So in uh The Phantom Troop, right? Another great organization of the criminals, they they go through and they kind of say, like, who's stronger than who. Like, at mm-hmm. one point, they blatantly just rank them. Like, this one is stronger than this one. And then you get characters like... uh, What's his name? What's the clown's name? The
1: Hisoka. Hisoka.
0: Yeah, Hisoka goes through. And he's always giving people power levels, right? Like, he even does it with the uh, Zodiac people at the end. So, I really like those groups. I like the Akatsuki and how they have their own rankings. Like, you know, Diderot being at the pretty much the bottom. And so many other ones. I, I just love that. So, when they get to a point in One Punch Man... Where they rank all the S people. Like they, they showed the council and it's like one of them's a little boy. They got like the fucking metal bat dude, the samurai, and you got I think his name's Blast, and he's not even present.
1: Yeah, Blast isn't even there. They have Super Alloy Black Luster.
0: Yep. actually like a black this guy. buff
1: ass bodybuilder. Yep. Um Pori
0: Puri prisoner. Is he one of them?
1: I don't know. I think he's A class. I don't think he's top S class.
0: Okay. I thought I don't know why I thought that he was S. I don't know, but they have yeah, they just have a lot. They have a lot of cool ass characters, and anytime uh, any, Maki. yes, oh my god, yes, the fucking psychic, <laughs> she is yeah. so cool. She's number two. She's yep. so fucking cool to me. Um, she can literally bring down meteors. Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: what?
0: she's so. There's broken. a
1: part. There's a part where because her her sister Blizzard, who is the top of C class or B class, yeah, because she I doesn't,
0: forget. yeah, because she has a whole she has a whole thing about not going up. Yeah.
1: So Blizzard, there's a part where Blizzard's fighting uh some monster and the monster actually harms her and Blizzard basically is like you fucked up. My sister always knows like when I get like when I get harmed or yep. whatever. And sure enough like the next frame like you you're you're confronted with S2. Like Tatsumaki is there. Yeah, and like, S2 are...
0: comes out and the monster that they're fighting against, she twists it up in such a nasty fucked up way. Like, she breaks all of its bones and shit and, like, twists it and contorts it and rings it out on some, like, dark shit. It's just really dark what she does to that monster. I was like, what the fuck? Oh, so man. And then the way she glows green up. when she attacks is so yeah, cool. Yeah, she's so goddamn cool. But we love unique characters. Like, anytime you get a bunch of unique anime characters... And they all get to show off their cool powers. Like even Metal Bat. So we talked about this a little bit. He's my, I
1: fucking love Metal Bat. So, but I'm a huge Yusuke you're a Meshi fan. So you yeah. guys can see. like the, the outfit. Like, oh my god. Like, definitely I love He's definitely inspired Metal Bat. by...
0: I mean, yeah. Yakuza. But also, I think about Yu Hakusho. Because Kuubara, That whole pompadour look. Um, the brute kind of guy. But when he's playing Garo in season 2. There's a part where... You know, Garo's like, well, you can't hit me. Like, you'll never be able to hit me. You're too fucking slow. And Metal Bat doesn't give up at any point. And he keeps swinging, and Garo's fucking him up a bit. And at one point, Metal Bat starts to get a lot of head injuries, and Garo starts to notice that he's getting faster. And Garo starts getting a little nervous, like, what the fuck? Is he getting... He's like, is he speeding up? And it gets to a point where Metal Bat uh, officially was going to hit Garo. Like, Garo turned around, and metal bat, because he thought he was done, and metal bat was right there about to swing, and the sister, his little sister, came out of nowhere, and was like, please don't harm him. She mm-hmm. said that to, about, you know, don't harm Garo, and it's scary, because in that moment, like, I was like, yo, I don't know who's actually gonna win that fight, but Garo was genuinely afraid. Like, when he turned around yep. and saw the bat, he genu- his eyes were, like, huge, it was the typical anime thing, like, oh shit, this fucking guy, I thought i put him down, and he's just actually not down for count, so I love metal bat, uh, but the, the Sea King, he beats up on a lot of the heroes. They do all their crazy finishing moves, all these crazy attacks. Um, the one poor prisoner guy comes out. He's all naked and shit like that. He has his big-ass rainbow wings and stuff. And they do all of these really cool things. And at some points, they do get off a little bit on the Sea King. But the best part to me is when Speed of Sonic confronts him. And Speed of Sonic is literally whooping his ass. Like, he's whooping the Sea King's ass real bad. And like Kenny brought up, it starts to rain. And at one point... Speed of Sonic is taunting the Sea King, like, you can't catch me, you're too big and slow. And he's like, tele- flash, he's like, flash stepping all around the city, flashed up and building to building. And it's raining. And at one point, he gets a close call where he loses some of his actual hair. Like, the Sea King does a swipe across, and like, the fucking Speed of Sonic loses, literally, his ponytail gets fucking swiped away, like, just straight up cut. And he's like, is it me? Or is he getting bigger? Like and then they show his size they show the Sea King what they do is they show a shadow like a silhouette of him and you see only his eyeballs and they're red and you see the rain and the thunderbolt come down in the background you see the crown on his head so it's like they, you don't get to see his full silhouette you just see like a shadow of him but the shadow is gigantic now and you remember that his scale to the other heroes wasn't that big like he was he was big, but he wasn't, like, crazy big. But this time, he is an actual fucking Godzilla-level threat.
1: Yeah, he's giant now. And speed
0: of Sonic, his eyes get really big. He's like, holy shit. So now when he's running, he's actually running for his life because he can no longer harm him at all. Like, he tried to hit him, and he just completely bounced off of him. And all of the taunting and shit like that is going completely out the window. Now he's like, holy shit, I have to survive. So he comes out of his clothes, and he gets fucking ghost. But I, I love that whole arc. Like, I love... The entire arc of like the Sea King. And honestly, Moomin Rider, for as much of a meme as like they make him out to be, where like he does justice crash and he just comes in on his b- bicycle, jumps off the bicycle, and lets it crash into somebody. Me and my friends, there was a day we were just being stir crazy. You know how you just get really silly with your friends and everything is funny? Yep. There was a day when we were talking about my one friend, Dennis, and he bikes to work and he like bikes often um so we started calling him movement rider <laughs> and one day when he was biking he actually flew off of his bicycle and he fell on the ground and he said bro i literally flew in the air he was like i didn't know that was a real thing but he's like i literally had airtime because i was going downhill he was <laughs> like i recall literally being in the air biking to work like i fell off and he said i scraped my shit up so bad we we died laughing when he told the story and i was like yo you're really like moomin rider like you did a fucking justice, justice
1: crash. crash justice crash that's fucking hilarious yes. so yeah.
0: woman rider comes in he does justice crash on a sea king and obviously he does absolutely nothing but it's the heart of him like it's the heart it's the heart heart is valuable that's a famous
1: it's, that's that's what gets moomin rider man it, once again one Punch Man's not a story, at least not yet, and I don't think it ever will be. It's not a story that's going to have this big, over, like, we're not going to get to the end and its eyes and all along. Like, it's not, there's not, like, this big story happening. Yeah, but I agree. in the moments that we get, there are, I think something that does it, instead of telling an overarching story, it takes some time to take some of the characters and show, like, oh, these people have heart. And, like, Moomin Rider is a character that really, really has heart. He's in this ridiculous circumstance. He's fighting the Deep Sea King, which is this gigantic undersea monster fucking thing. Yes. He's watched all of these heroes that he knows. He's C class. He know like he watched all these B class and A class heroes get ruined he by the Deep up. Sea King, and he does not give up. He gets up and he keeps trying because like that's what a hero does, and it gives me like all might vibes. You know what I mean? Like a, yep. a, that's that's what a hero does. Like they get up and they keep trying. And even though there was no fucking way, no universe where he could do anything, he he was able to just, like, hold him off just long enough so that he didn't go off and kill a bunch of people. Yeah. Just enough time for an S-Class hero to show up, or for someone like Saitama to show up. And
0: I like his character a lot. I really like Moomin Rider, and I can't even, outside of just him having so much heart, I guess that really is just it. Like, he just has so yeah. much heart that I love the character. Like, when I see him on screen, I just immediately get a little sad. Like, damn. Like, I wish Moomin Rider just got... I hope that at some point he gets stronger. But it is kind of like a certain sadness that he's biking in the rain to just try to help people in the shelter where the Deep Sea King is now infiltrated. And he's like... Mm -hmm. He's like destroying the heroes. And here comes Moomin Rider, Justice Crash, hits him, and it does absolutely nothing. Then at one point, I believe the Deep Sea King grabs him by the leg... And does an actual Looney Tunes thing to him. Yeah, he just.
1: He Falcon Hulk Loki's him.
0: Yes, he like. like slams him left to right, left to right, left to right, left to right. Like just absolutely bullshit, Tune Force like type stuff. And I'm like, God damn, you know. But then Saitama comes and just one punches him and like it's nothing. And Mummer Rider is just like, well, thank God you exist, right? Like he respects Saitama. And just like most people do, I, I really like that. There are a lot of people who respect Saitama, Genus being his biggest fan, but there's other people like movement Rider who are like, damn, like I want to be as strong as you one day. Like I want to get to the point where I can yeah. protect people and do this. And then there's other funny things about One Punch Man that I really like. There was this one episode, also, it was like its own little mini arc. The episode was a mini arc, I'll say, where all these heroes encounter this fucking seaweed monster in an alleyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, golden. I remember. It was golden ball was the one hero. <laughs> yes. And the other hero was uh like mustachio man yes, or yes, something. He had like
0: a rapier. Yeah. They encountered this fucking seaweed monster. And at first I'm like, well, there's no way the seaweed monster is going to win. And then the seaweed monster gets in on them and fucks them up bad. Like they get fucked up bad. And then you see Saitama in the distance coming down the street. And Saitama, I think he just got done grocery shopping and so he has his grocery bags and a CV monster after beating the other two heroes. And they're all like lumped up on the ground. You know, they're fucking incapacitated like Pokemon. And Saitama literally looks at the thing, the thing screaming and yelling and going rampaging. The next scene, because they do it off screen, the next scene, Genus comes in and is like, What are you making? And you look at his fucking pot. He's boiling the actual monster. Like parts of the monster's body are in his pot. And he's just
1: making soup out of that bitch.
0: Yeah, he literally, they like off screen, mind you, the whole episode was kind of focused around this one monster, right? Like this one monster had basically an entire arc. And then Saitama comes at the end of the episode, essentially, and just actually cooks it like figuratively and physically, like cooks the monster. And Genus is like, what are you making? And he's like, don't worry about it. And it's just, you just (laughs) see (laughs) the seaweed in a pie. You realize, oh my God, he off screened it.
1: He off screen, and that's that's the that's that episode. That's a, it's funny. Cause, like I don't remember if this is an official description from the creators or if this is just the way somebody else descri- described it. But One Punch Man really is. It is the it's the main character during the last arc of a series. Yes. at the start. Yes, like it's 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 end of series. Goku fucking fighting the bear thief. Yes, like that's-
0: <laughs> yes, it literally is that. It's just. The app is like you doing a new game plus, being able to keep all your equipment and your level, all your summons, all your magic, and then starting from scratch, fighting against level one enemies. It's just that. Uh, and I also think it, another funny part of One Punch Man for me was the whole Sharonko arc in season two, where like Sharonko is this random character, a lowly level hero. Uh, He gets his ass beat really early on, ends up in the hospital. And Saitama finds out about this tournament that's happening, a martial arts tournament. So Saitama gets the, the idea because you can't join the tournament, apparently, if like, you're an active hero or something like that. I forget what it is. That's, it's something barring him from entering. Yeah. So <laughs> they have this whole episode where Saitama's not really in it. Like He's just really not in the episode. And at the end of the episode, Garo comes across Saitama while he's just out shopping. Like, Saitama's out shopping. And we don't really know what he's shopping for, but you see him kind of fiddling with like a wig. Like this fucking blonde wig. He's just kind of fiddling with it. And then Garo comes up behind him. And Garo attacks him. And Saitama's like, what? And you know, he doesn't react to the actual attack. Like the attack doesn't do anything to him at all. And Garo was serious. Garo attacks him. Saitama's like, what? You trying to rob me? And he fucking just chops him. Garo slams (laughs) into the ground, unconscious, blacks out. And the last thing you see is Saitama exchanging money for a wig. And it's like, what's funny about it is that that's actually an after credit scene. It's one of those things, like, it doesn't happen in the actual episode. It happens after the credits roll. But that yep. scene is so fucking funny to me. Then the next episode, you see that a guy named Shiranko is entering the tournament, but you know that he's in the hospital, and when they show him, it's actually Saitama with a wig on, and I lost it. Like, I fucking, <laughs> the part where you see this man, the whole tournament, all he's trying to do is keep his little, his little wig on. Keep the fucking
1: on. wig on, because that's the other thing. They say that this year... Not only is there a reason why he couldn't enter normally and he had to enter with a disguise, they say this year is the first year that you're not allowed to have any kind of disguises when you yeah. enter. Because last year some a wolf man entered at, with a disguise and he was like he killed participants. It was Garo. And it and it was Garo, yeah. Yeah. Um this happened last year. So anyway, he and it's funny because Saitama's disguise is that he has like a fucking bush on his head. Like <laughs> it's the stupidest disguise it ever. So,
0: it looks so fucking <laughs> bad. It looks so it's just it's just sitting up there. Like, the hair is just sitting up there. It's not well connected. Like, he looks
1: like fucking Raccoon. Like, he just... Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. He does look like Raccoon, actually.
1: He just is absurd. He looks... Yo,
0: that's a great... Yeah, that's a great comparison. He looks exactly like Raccoon. The hair is just fucking sitting on top. He looks ridiculous. And he's fighting this so, tournament, and he comes across all these other martial artists who are, you know, some of them are really good and all that stuff. One of them has never lost before.
1: Yeah, Shiryu, I think his name is. Yeah, And, you know... She Like, there, there's, like... Some really cool martial artists, but it's just funny because I think Saitama also wants to find out like what martial arts mean, and because he he gets this idea that like he'll find a real fight there. Yeah, and he goes like he's so ridiculously strong. I don't remember exactly what he says, but by the end he goes like I understand what martial arts are now, and it's like you guys just like say cool names for your attack or something. Like yeah. I forget what it was. Yeah, he you guys he, do, like poses or something. Yeah,
0: like. he he reduces it to to some bullshit like that. And I just love his his uh, outlook on everything that people take so seriously. Because obviously people take martial arts very seriously. And the guy he fought in the final round, before he gets DQ'd, like, he's going all out. He's doing all these crazy-ass attacks and shit. And Saitama is literally just holding on to his wig. And like I think at one point the guy hits him so hard into the, the tournament grounds that Saitama gets buried. Like, actually buried in the mat. And he just kind of jumps out of it and takes no damage whatsoever. Like, literally none. And then... uh monsters, like monsters actually come and they, they fucking ambush everybody and they start killing humans and...
1: Yeah. A, another cool part about that is like, in the tournament also was two other heroes that were in disguise. um Sneko and Lightning Kid. I don't remember yeah, which yeah
0: the, I remember the Lightning one. I don't remember the other one.
1: Um, they were both in the tournament and they lost pretty easily in the tournament, I yeah. think. And then when the monsters come, they come and they start to, and then like, they're able to fend off against monsters that Chidio... Shiryu wasn't able to defend off and he was like what the fuck he was like they were so weak in the tournament yeah you kind of realize like that these heroes like they have some they have a pride and a respect in what they do like they're not trying to hurt people like they're only going to use their full power yep. against monsters yep. and then there's finally the part where like Shiryu gets beat up and like brutalized he once gets again,
0: fucking destroyed by the monsters
1: <laughs> by a monster and then like there's a part, because he didn't really have any respect for heroes up until this point. There's a part where, like, he cries out, like, sc- like please, like, I need a hero. Like, can a hero yeah. save me? Because, like, he's going to die. And that's when, once again, Saitama comes out, and, like, another person becomes a fan of him. Um, And he's like, listen, you're strong and everything, but, like, that other guy, like, you can't fuck with him. Like, you cannot fuck with him at all. Yeah. And then, like, Saitama walks away, and the camera zooms out, and that other guy is just missing his torso. Like, yes. just... He just so, one-punches everything he comes across. A couple
0: things that are really cool about that little arc, too, like the Torment arc. Uh, there's a part where they show different perspectives on how to get stronger, and the demons offer these fucking nope. nasty-looking, parasitic things. that If you eat it, you can become a demon, and you get unlimited strength, and all of this other bullshit, right? Immortality. Like, they promise you the whole bid. And some of the heroes are like, I'm never doing that. And so he tells them, like, you either do it or you die. Right, so some of the heroes are like, "Well, I'm not doing that. I'll just die." And then another one of the heroes who, or one of the other martial artists who you thought was pretty respectable, like he does it. Like he actually ingests the fucking. He eats deep- three
1: of them. Yes, I think most of the people were eating one. Yep, and he ate three.
0: Yeah, he eats three of them, and at first it looks like it kills him, but then it yep. ends up transforming him into some like ridiculously strong monster, and it just it shows you like people will go to no. Lives to get like power and stuff like that. It's kind of a Sasuke thing with Oshimaru. Like you'll go to the dark side just to get stronger or because your life is being threatened and you're like, well, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to die otherwise. So for survival's sake, I will ingest these things. I don't know what's really going to happen to me, but he does it. And Saitama does end up showing up and they talk up, they talk this one demon up. Like he's the most absurd thing, like, like you were saying, but then the demon just gets one shot at.
1: It's one shot of one like he's not even on Boros level.
0: Yeah, it's not even close. And there's another part where Fang and I forget the other guy. Um
1: it's uh I think it's I think their names are Bang and Bomb.
0: Yeah, so yeah. So there's the a part, old
1: the old men. The, the two old like, men,
0: yeah. Got basically Garo's teachers. There's a part where they're fighting off this centipede monster, and they do this crazy group attack like this this oh, twin yeah. attack, and it's really dope. And they fuck it up, but all they do is actually shed the exoskeleton of the fucking insect. And everyone's having a hard time with this. At one point, Genius comes with like this new crazy android gear. He does some crazy Kamehameha blast and all of these things, but nothing seems to really put this thing down for good. And then, of course, Saitama comes out of nowhere, punches it one time in the fucking head, and the whole thing disintegrates. And it's just, mind you, they spent an entire episode defending against this thing because no one could really beat it. But they spent an entire episode defending against it. And not being able to damage it, not being able to kill it, not being able to really cause any real damage to it, honestly. And then here comes Saitama with just actual one punch and absolutely levels it. Like, the thing is just destroyed. That
1: that reminds me, when we talked about King earlier, he's, like, high S class, I think S5, I don't remember. And he has this thing called, uh, it it gets revealed that he's a coward, because essentially, in Season 2, there's a part where a monster's coming, and blah blah blah, and, like, He's not able to defend against it, and like he runs away.
0: He runs in the bathroom,
1: and, <laughs> and he, nobody knows that he runs away. And I think Saitama finishes it off. And then, essentially, we get there's like this thing. People like they can hear it. They're like, it's the King Engine. Like, oh yeah, the King the, When you hear the King Engine, like he's going to fuck them up. Like it's the King Engine. What guess <laughs> what? It sounds so like, cool, though. It sounds awesome, and you can hear it. It's like do 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 Yeah, doo. the King like, Engine. The whole. Like everybody around can hear it. Like, (laughs) what the King Engine is is his heart beating. It's his heart beating out of fear, absolute fear. It's his heart beating, and they're like, "It's the King Engine, King Engine, (laughs) get ready!" Like, yeah, get ready, right? And then he gets away, and then what gets revealed is that the way King became an S class hero is that he always happened to be in the area after Saitama killed a monster. (laughs) Yeah, like Saitama killed a monster, and King. Because at first it's just that it gets revealed that he always happened to be in the area when a monster was killed and he ended up getting all the credit. But then it even later gets revealed after they become boys and they play video games in the apartment that King knew si- like it was Saitama almost every time yeah. that killed the monster, didn't get the credit, and King got all the credit and ended up becoming an S-class hero from Saitama's victories. And Saitama just like doesn't really care. He I literally ever.
0: doesn't care. All he wants to do is beat him. Like you said, he wants to beat him in that video game because he can't beat him. It's funny. The One of the times they actually show, it's like a little Street Fighter knockoff like every other anime does when they show a fighting game. It's a little Street Fighter knockoff. And at one point, Saitama's like Tom is getting the best of him. And then King just does a comeback and literally zero dips him, takes all his health with one, one combo. It's so funny. It's one of those things where he gets him down to like a slither of his health. And then yep. King just comes back and takes all his
1: health. He does health. a Daigo Umahara. Like- yes. <laughs>
0: It's so fucking funny, man. There are so many good moments in this anime. I love it. Like, honestly, it is one of the most entertaining things I've ever watched. And I find myself genuinely laughing. Like, again, when he's wig shopping, he's like, you trying to rob me? And he fucking chops him. Like, why does he just... Why is that his reaction to somebody who touched him? He's like, you trying to rob me?
1: There's the next moment where it's Saitama and King walking around the neighborhood. I think they're shopping again. And Garo sees King. He doesn't even... Like... This is the, this is after Saitama knocked Garo out, but Garo doesn't even recognize him because like <laughs>
0: he's not
1: somebody that recognizes yet and he got knocked out before he could even realize what happened the first time. So but he sees King and he's like, Oh, that's s S-class hero, and so he goes to attack him right away. He goes and then, as he's going to attack him, like in a frame, Saitama, like, kicks him into a building <laughs> and he's just fucking gone. And then him and King keep walking, and King's like, What happened? And he's like, I don't know. And like, they just keep fucking walking. Like,
0: yo, like, like he did just kick that man into a building. Yo, Saitama is great. Like, he is so fucking funny to me, man. Oh, I love that character. I, and so. Uh, the reason why we're doing this podcast is one, One Punch Man is actually awesome. It's one of my favorite animes, actually. Like, I'm not even kidding. It's actually just one of my favorite anime. But the other really thing fun is fun to watch, man. It's really good. It's actually just good. Also,
1: opening, like, the opening of, like, One Punch! Yeah. Like, that opening is, you want, listen, if you need a reason, it's like, let's say you want to get your health on track. You need to start working out. You want to do 100 push ups. I'm going to tell you the secret. I'm going to tell you the key. Go listen to the opening. Go before, before you work out. Yeah. Put that opening, make that. The start, like, if you want to make a workout playlist, make that the first song on the playlist. Make that the opening to your workout. That shit will get you going, man. That is a fucking hype-ass song.
0: It's really good. I was going to say, um... Fuck, did I lose my train of thought?
1: You were gonna, I think you were about to start talking about season three.
0: Oh, okay. That's, that that's the
1: reason why we're doing this episode.
0: Yes. So, they just announced, finally, that season three will be coming out in 2023, and MAPA is actually picking it up for the animation. So MAPPA also does Chainsaw Man, which from the three episodes that I saw is very well animated. Uh, MAPPA is also huge. like They're famous. They're one of the biggest animated studios in the world. So yeah, you can expect really good things. Hopefully the noise about the animation can die down because I really don't think it's that bad. Y'all like to run everything into the ground. and the, Once the internet says one thing, People cling to it and just like, there's this groupthink thing thing that happens, this hive mind thing that happens. And I'm just not for that. I like to think for myself, like sometimes, yes, sometimes the internet's just right. Sometimes the internet's just actually right. If something is, you know, going downhill or something's bad, like everyone agrees, like Game of Thrones and Naruto Shippuden, like they ended terribly. Like that is a fact, right? Like no one's debating that. No one's trying to really defend that. But then there's things that I just think get a little exaggerated. And I went into One Punch Man season two thinking that I was about to see some Sayuki level still frames being used or repeated frames being used. Oh my God.
1: I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you just said Sayuki and it, re- it fucking reminded me. I wanted to say this. I, I mean, we already kind of said it. I love Garo's design. I love his, I, I fucking, and it, it dates back to Sayuki. I love like the really tight shirt, the really tight top. And then like the baggy pants. Yes. I, for some reason, I love that fucking look. I like, like that. The look really tight top. Yeah, and the baggy pants. And for me, I remember it all started in Sayuki. Uh, and Sayuki, the main character, Sanzo, he wears, like, this monk garb. Yeah. But then there's parts where, like, a serious fight happens, and the top of the monk garb, yeah. come, garb comes off. And he has this really tight, like, black beater on, and then, like, the baggy bottoms. Yeah. And I remember loving that look so fucking much. And Gauro has, like, that same kind of look, the tight top and the baggy pants. And I just wanted to say that I really fucking love his design and that look in general
0: yeah Garo's design is really cool, also like that he loses a lot throughout season two, like he goes up against Fang at one point and he loses like mm-hmm. he just, he just straight up like the old well the old men they jump him and uh but he gets his ass beat then he gets his ass beat he was about to get hit by metal bat it seems, and obviously every time he comes across Saitama he gets off screen some apparently <laughs> like he just gets completely disrespected uh but yeah he loses a couple fights. And I think that that's really good because they're developing this character to be a main character. And it's nice to see how he's developing, too. Because if eventually, it goes without saying, they showed humans ingesting demon cells for a reason. So it's not lost on me that that's where it's going with Garo and the whole thing where his hair changed, color and all that shit. Obviously, I think that he's going to end up ingesting like some demon shit. Or maybe he might pull a... uh. Bakugo and get to the demon layer and be like, "Fuck you guys! I actually have no intention of being a demon." Uh, you know, like it could be something like that. But I could also see it going the other way, where he gets way stronger because he becomes a demon, and like that just does the most for him. But he's already really strong, um, and he seems to be able to. One of the things I like about him is that his adaptability in fights. Like again, when he took yes. on those eight those eight heroes, and at first they were getting the best of him. He would make a move, and one of them would shoot him. Then he would.
1: Yeah, like, he was already tired, and then he was getting shot at. He ended up getting shot by like poisoned arrows. poison Yeah, one like, of
0: them poisoned them, and they told him like, "You have this amount of time before you collapse," and all like all of these things were happening. They had this perfect strategy against me. Like, you actually can't get out of this diagram. Like, we have this fucking perfect diagram on you, where no matter which way you move, you're you're cornered. And every time he did something, they had a response to it. But he eventually adapted and just was like, "Okay, let me calm down." He like focused. And he looked at him, and he was like, "This one right here is just not as fast as the others." And he just fucking gripped that one up real quick, (laughs) and started. He's like, "Now that I broke through this one, because you're the fucking long range one. Now I got that one. Now I'm gonna go for the one who thinks." And the guy that thinks started running away, and he eventually caught up to him. Was like, "You're not going anywhere." It's so good, but yeah, the way he
1: dismantled it, man, it's it's that shit's cool. That's once again a great example of like fights being more than just the flashy fighting. It's the it's the. it's the story beats in the action that makes the fight. It's the fact that he's losing and he has to take time and And analyze the situation and figure it out. Yeah. And when he pulls all that shit together, he he protects the child and like, he's able to overcome. And like these heroes, what it's, it's, it's also funny because these heroes are doing exactly what made him hate heroes. Like, he, these heroes yes they are tired of being looked down upon by the s-class heroes and other people in general because they're just a class which is already really high but they want the respect they want to prove that they are heroes and they they can protect people too they end up formulating a plan to attack this monster or criminal or whatever you want to call garo at the time and they jump him 10 on one and they're literally doing the exact thing that made garo hate humans it's the fact that like our hate heroes it's the fact that monsters never get a fair shot like he he even says like they're trying their best like whatever we all know like the monsters reasons aren't good but as a child he's looking at like these guys are trying their best and (laughs) they're getting jumped by 10 fucking i love the
0: narrative being used like they're just trying their best and everything like you really change the perspective and you could make a case for the the villains or the monsters in this you know
1: yeah and then like it literally happens to him. It's yeah. ten heroes or however many of them just jumping, just him, yeah. and he's able to like take that time, analyze and assess the situation, and come out on top. And it's just, it's such a cool all while moment. All protecting
0: a kid too, which is an actual heroic yep. thing. And which he is might, a heroic heroic thing. Yeah, he might not realize, but that is a very heroic thing that he did by deflecting it all. Because he could have just dodged. He could have just literally moved out the way, and the kid probably would have gotten shot because it was a fucking bullet barrage. But he was like, "Yeah, I can't let this little kid," even though you know, this is just a random human being that I literally just met on a park bench one day who lent me a book. I can't just let this happen to him. Uh, but yeah, I, I like the relationship developing with the kid. I hope that that continues to go somewhere. Uh, yeah, I, I think One Punch Man is just a phenomenal anime, honestly. And I just did not expect yeah. to like it as much as I do. I think that we pretty much covered a lot of the bases, how funny it is, how he's meant to be like a parody, but he's also there's also some serious moments like when he gives all the credit to the heroes that came before him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a lot of really good qualities about it and the fact that it's not a hard watch it's not something that you have to be you're not going to go on reddit and have like these crazy discussions about where you think like there's not going to be a crazy discussion about where you think the story is going for one punch right like it's not like yeah that. yeah yeah
1: it's just a really easy fun watch like you can just you can just really enjoy it and you don't yeah. it doesn't feel like a commitment to watch it even though like season one and season two altogether, I, I guess it's 24 episodes. I think they're 12 episodes each. And so there's other 24 episode anime you could watch that might have this really in-depth story or whatever. And like, you probably should watch them too. Yeah. But sometimes you're just in the mood where like, you just kind of want to watch something easy. And one punch man is an easily digestible thing where like, you can just watch those 24 episodes and like, be good. Like you don't feel like it took a, sh- a toll on you yeah. or I don't, I don't know. It's so weird I'll, to describe it. So I'll say
0: this. Cause the guy who does one punch man also does mob Psycho 100, right? yeah yeah so uh i watched season one of mob psycho and i guess i went into it with the wrong mindset i was expecting something more serious and mob psycho is very much similar to one punch man it is not an anime that's meant to be taken super serious it is an easy watch it's a very happy-go-lucky like funny it's very funny like it's 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 a comedic shonen i guess or whatever but like I went into it not expecting that, and it was hyped up to me a lot before I ever watched it. So when I watched it, I honestly did not enjoy it. I really didn't. Uh, I guess that one episode in season one where like he loses his shit, it finally gets to 100% on his like, psycho rate yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. And that episode was really cool, um, but I don't remember much of season one. I just binged it, and I remember just not enjoying myself. So I am going to say that I will rewatch season one, or at least do a recap on YouTube, something to just kind of refresh myself. But I want to watch season two because season three is airing right now from what I understand. Yeah. And I just want to give it a second try because I find it hard to believe that I could not like Mob Psycho so strongly, but love One Punch Man so mm. much. Like, I love One Punch yeah, Man. Yeah. Like, literally One Punch Man, if you ask me right now to name like my top ten anime like ever, one Punch Man is probably gonna be in it. There's, that's how that's how much I like it. Like I just I like it that much that it would probably be in my top ten because it would be the only thing like it in my top ten. Like there's nothing else quite yeah, like yeah. it that I watch. Like I'm my list is like very hardcore. All the all the top level shit that you've heard of. It's all of that stuff in there, but like something like this that doesn't have a story, doesn't have a main character with like some crazy backstory and some crazy motivation outside of him just being bored. For me to mm-hmm. love it so much, I just you know, and it also makes me laugh. It is a really. very
1: unique experience because it's it's a it's a parody and it's a parody done in a um, different way than. Well, I mean, Hunter Hunter is not a parody, but Hunter Hunter is a deep, like they they have similar roots in that Hunter Hunter is a deconstruction of Shonen, yeah. while still being a very serious Shonen. Uh, and that's something we can get into more in our Fabled Hunter Hunter episode whenever we <laughs> get around to doing it, but. Hunter Hunter is a deconstruction of shonen. It is uh, Togashi, the the creator of Hunter Hunter. It is him taking and being tired of like a lot of the formulas and tropes that existed in the shonen genre at the time, and then him finding a way to just like create this deconstruction of those tropes. And it's just really Hunter Hunter is a an anime slash manga that I think is insanely good, but it it's. It gets even better if you're already exposed to the shonen genre. That's you true. have to be familiar with the shonen formula for Hunter Hunter to have an even bigger impact on you because that's kind of like its purpose. Anyway, One Punch Man, like similar in a way that it's a parody of the shonen genre, and that it is even better if you're already familiar with shonens because. Yep you can take a lot of what is happening yeah. in there and relate it to other things.
0: Yeah, like One Punch Man, while it could work for, let's say your little brother, if it was his first ever anime, he could totally like the, the anime. And mm-hmm. he would he would enjoy it and get things from it and probably find parts of it funny. But I think a lot of what makes it great is the fact that they know, if, you've, if you're have if you watching One Punch Man, you've probably seen a lot of other shonen, And so you know the tropes that they're parading. Mm-hmm. Like everything mm-hmm. that they're doing parodies of, you kind of know it already like oh how did you train i went to the hydraulic time chamber for this amount of time and i got this strong well i just did 100 sit-ups 100 push-ups 100 squats a 10 kilometer run it's like yep. that is such a ridiculous fucking thing to say but that is that is a parody on how ridiculous characters have to train like Naruto had to make a thousand clones and they all practice doing the rasengan and then if he cancels them he gets all the information Like just these ridiculous things they have to do to get stronger in anime and in shonen and here comes Saitama doing like absolutely nothing, nonsense, human shit just just human shit, shit that we could do like we could do his exercise and people have, so yeah, I I really like I like that, even though it's a parody it's just done really well so I want to give Mob Psycho another try for the sake of one, doing a podcast episode on Mob Psycho, because there is an audience of people who really do like Mob Psycho uh, and yeah, I, I think that it, if I give it a second try and I go in with a different mindset, like don't expect some crazy story, right? Like Mob, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mob is not going to give you some crazy, detailed, super awesome backstory. Like he's not Aaron Yeager. Like I'm not going to get the fucking Aaron yeah, Yeager. Yeah, he's not. It's not, his dad's not about to leave him a key to the basement in season one. And I don't get to see what's in the basement until season three. Like that's not about to happen. Not at you know all. I mean? like, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? He's just not that. So everything is not going to be like your mom gets eaten in episode one and then you come to find out that he's actually the reason why his mom got eaten in season, the final season and shit. Like, like it's, it's just not that.
1: That's, uh, uh yeah. Yeah. Right. Mob is cool. I enjoyed season one. I still haven't gotten around to seeing season two, but I've heard from a lot of people, like when season one happened, I watched it. I enjoyed it. Um, I yeah, like one punch. You, you probably season went into one one it without more.
0: expectations, which is my issue. Is that I went, yeah. people told me. Oh, it's insane! It's nuts, and I I thought that they were saying that in the vein of like Hunter Hunter and
1: yeah yeah Naruto yeah. yeah. And when stuff. I went into Mob Psycho, I just kind of like I had no I was just like oh this is made by the same guy that made One Punch Man that's cool, and then so I just watched it, um and I enjoyed it I I liked One Punch Man season one more, but I enjoyed Mob Psycho season oh yeah hundred percent and season two I never got around to seeing, um just because I never got around to it. I remember when it came out. There was, like, five other anime that came out that season that I wanted to watch. Mm. And so I was trying to watch all of them at the same time, and then, like, I just never got around to finishing season two of Mob Psycho. But anyway, I've heard from so many people, though, that compared to – like, I don't know. I've just heard really good things about it. Once again, that could be a bad thing. Expectations could fuck it up. But I am interested in seeing season two, so I'm interested in, at some point, us watching Mob Psycho and then doing an episode on it because – I'd be interested in seeing season three as well.
0: Okay. I have a question for you, because there's some anime that I remember... I, I need to still do my anime list, because I've seen a lot of anime, especially in the last couple of years during the pandemic. My have anime you, list
1: is a very helpful website.
0: Yes, it is. Have you seen... I don't think you've seen it, but I'm just going to ask anyway for the sake of the podcast. Have you seen Dr. Stone?
1: No, but that's... I, I can... It's one of the things... What's funny is that I think we both have... We both have a list, and the list it's like, these are the things that I'd really want to watch. It's yeah. not... Like, for no reason, like, it's not like I'm avoiding watching it, it's just shit happens. Yeah. So Dr. Stone has been on the list of things I really want to watch for a while, and I just never get around to it. But if, like, if we were to set it, if we were to be like, we are doing a Dr. Stone episode in February, like, I'd have it watched by then. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: because it's 12 episodes, season one, I'm pretty sure. Like, I want to say it's a 12-episode anime. I want to say it is. Maybe... Okay, I'm going to say it's 12. I'm not sure. But I think it's a 12-episode anime. Season 1 and 2. Both seasons are good. But season 1 is fucking phenomenal, and that's not me just, like, hyping it up. I think Dr. Stone is actually one of my also top anime that I've seen. It's just really good. And this is because I also am a firm believer, I always say this, I'm a firm believer that, like, today is better than yesterday. Things are just getting better over time. Like, people are becoming better storytellers. Everyone's getting better at animation. Like, animation now, we're, we're kind of become used to seeing demon slayer level animation and stuff that's very close to it and that is the norm so now when i watch anime i'm like okay it looking good is not the only thing that makes it good mm-hmm. like because that is now a 2022 standard that's
1: what we were saying about like jjk right like jjk yes. looks phenomenal oh, but that doesn't insane. mean it's the best anime ever
0: yes so a lot of the anime now just look better and like same thing with storytelling is getting better overall and like you know concepts of like why is this anime exists, why is this manga exist those things are also getting better over time doctor stone is fucking phenomenal uh the promise neverland season 1 i don't know if you ever seen that
1: that is yeah no we t- we've talked about it not all, i don't think we've talked about it on the podcast now yeah, yeah we think- talked about it we've talked about it in private we've had conversations yes. about promise neverland done- season 1
0: i don't know if we've done a podcast on it but uh that's something that no. we could do a podcast on season 1 of the promise neverland cuz i yeah. love that seat like that show is so good it also has one of my favorite things which is genius main characters it's no surprise my favorite animes are like Kogios, death note uh things like that where the main character tends to be a genius and i just love i love how those characters are written in the way they think and so promise neverland focuses around three geniuses and just the whole premise of it how it kind of episode one I, I tell people if you watch episode one and you don't want to continue. I think something's wrong with you. The same way. I agree. The same way if you watch episode one of Game of Thrones. And you actually pay attention. You get to the end. And when Jamie pushes the boy out. the way, Like if you see that. And that doesn't make you say. All right. I kind of want to see episode two now. Like if you don't have an inclination. To want to watch episode two. After seeing the end of episode one of Game of Thrones. And Promised Neverland. I just question your taste in general. If I'm being honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll never forget Promise Neverland. I fucking watched episode one, and I was like, shit. And then I just, like, watched episode two, and then I kept watching it, and then I was like, yeah, and I was like, I have to go to bed, because I think I had an interview in the morning. I don't remember exactly. There was something I had to do in the morning that was important. Yeah. And I went to that interview tired because I just didn't go to bed Yep. because I just ended up watching the entire season that I was just like, well, this is where I'm at now. Yeah.
0: So because Kenny has actually seen promise Neverland, we will be doing a promise Neverland episode soon uh, because all it'll take for us honestly is just a quick YouTube recap and yeah, that's a, that's a really good anime that I do want people to watch. No, we can totally do, but yes, anyways, guys, uh, we're gonna get out of here. So, before we do a couple things, uh, check out our Patreon, i'm their podcast Patreon, where we drop exclusive content now more content than ever because we have been uploading like videos of dueling book replays and like deck discussions and stuff like that. So, not only do we have episodes that only come out on Patreon every month, there's an exclusive episode, so we're gonna do one for December as well but there's also now additional content being uploaded to Patreon. So check out our I Am Their Podcast Patreon. I also started to include in the regular podcast episodes, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, when you look at the description of the episode, a link to Patreon will be in the description of the episode. So like, in some of them it's clickable. Like I've noticed on Apple Podcasts, it's a, the, a link that you put in the description. You can actually click it. So you can actually mm-hmm. click to get to our Patreon from the description of it. So it'll say like whatever the episode's about. So this one is like one punch man seasons one and two. I'll write whatever for the description, but then I'll also put a link to the Patreon right under it. So that way it makes it easier for people who are interested in that type of thing. Uh, on top of that, uh, we give shout-outs to everyone who's a part of our Patreon, as well as access to our Discord server. So, again, if you want to support the podcast, we really appreciate it. For those who have been supporting the podcast, and honestly, everyone who's on this list has been with us for, like, a, some of them a year or more. Like, a lot of the people have been on us, been with us for a year or more, which is crazy to say. Like, we really, really appreciate the support. And... A lot of the people who join our Patreon are not at the $3 tier. They're at the higher tiers, which is a blessing in itself. The fact that you guys are really willing to support us, uh, it means a lot. Like, honestly, it means a fuck ton. So, as always, I just want to give you guys a shout-out. Starting with our first-ever patron, we got Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Garen, Xavier, Hylian, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Brissett, Vinny Casello, Giovanni Avalos, Alex Flamer, Andre Reynolds, CJ, one Dan Varabel. First to Home, Estat Akuma, Mitchell Naus, Midwest Gaming, Dimitri Safirdes, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, Roz Weiss, Nick Stango, Hanzo, our two-time national champion, Vincent Zen, Sarah Maria, Sunny Top Cup Podcast, Alex Ahern, Philip Campa, Jalen Haskins, Arale, Melfi Slump, Kang Petty, Chris Lynn and Jeff Luang. Again, thank you guys so much for being supporters of the Omnir Podcast. And as thank I always you. say, do the things that make you happy. One punch! <laughs> one punch. Alright, we're getting out of here. See you in the next one.